Hello and welcome to episode 19 of the Large Format Photography Podcast. My name is Simon Forster and I'm joined by my co-host Andrew Bartram. Hello Andrew. Hello Simon. And it's just us, just the two of us this week. Well, sort of, um, <clears throat> because you've been out and about, haven't you Andrew? I have, yeah, doing our first Large Format Photography Podcast Outside broadcast. That sounds very grand, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. Was it was it streaming around the world when you when you did it? No, it was a. I don't think I, I don't think it was my finest moment, really. But no, you know, the circumstances were not ideal. I was in a workshop, and there was people making tea, and you know, at one point there was music playing, and so on. But I, I did my best. It's, it, it sounds fine, and I, and I think it's worth um, just mentioning where where you were because um, you were on the south coast, and uh, I think we I'm not sure did we mention it on the last podcast where you were going? I I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I uh, do, you want, do you want me to tell listeners? Yeah, let's let's put them out <laughs> the misery now because they they were on the edges of their seats. <laughs> yeah. So I um, about uh, ten days ago, I with a lot of effort manipulated my Devere 504 enlarger out of the darkroom and uh, into the back of the car and drove down to Brighton to uh, the workshops of Odyssey Devere and uh, that's a company that's run by John Boyce who you're going to be hearing from uh, shortly in our little outside broadcast section and John basically to cut a long story short uh, gave it a bit of a service cleaned it up um, replaced some missing screws and things that I didn't even realize were missing um, hoovered out the dead insects and uh, yeah uh, gave me some hints and tips on how to level it and I went down uh, a few days ago and took the opportunity to do a little interview with him because it's uh, it's a very interesting story and the fact that he's still there to this day in his late 70s you know, servicing enlargers, selling second-hand, and uh, he's in, in some new enlargers as well. But that's a you know that's um, not really where his future lies. But the fact that he's still there, and it's a small family-run company, and it's got such a wonderful heritage, which he talks about in the in the interview. Yeah, I mean, I, I listened to it um, earlier this morning. And uh, I really enjoyed it. It was uh, it was quite fascinating to hear the the, the history of, uh, of of the Devere company and how it got its name and uh, and the changes that uh, it's gone through uh, and how it is uh, where it is now. But it's, it's it's almost it's quite circular, isn't it? Really, in in, in some respects, um, how it how it started and where where it is now. Yeah, so, um, yeah. No, it's a it's it's a good listen, and uh, the plan is that we're going to do uh, a, a, well, pretty much our, our usual thing. We're going to chat about what we've been up to. Um, mm -hmm. Then we're going to do some emails, and then we're going to hand back over to you on and your trip uh, to Brighton down to see John Boyce at Odyssey Devere. And that will be it. So that that will be the show. Um, I think the actual recording uh, that you'll hear is about. I think it's just under an hour, um, and it's yeah. it's uh, it's it's a good recording. And uh, just for so that our listeners uh, know, it's uh, it was it was your first time with this uh, device, and lent to us by uh, the master of photography, um, Neil Piper. <laughs> and uh, yeah, thanks, Neil. And uh, yeah, it's. Uh, 
and by the way, the um, I, was, I was just going to say your, uh, your your recorder, your Olympus recorder is in the post, Neil. But actually, by the time this goes out, you would have already had it. So <laughs> that, that's a bit superfluous, really, isn't it? Um, but no, it did a, it did a really good job. You did a good job, and uh, and I think it's a really good, really good listen. Um, oh, thanks, buddy. Yeah. Um, on the downside about your recording. <laughs> oh, here you go. You're deliver- you know what they call this in business, don't they? I don't know if I'm allowed to say this. In uh, you're about to deliver a shit sandwich, aren't you? That's what you drink. <laughs> well, it's just um, that the record is in in three parts, um, and that oh, was yeah. partially down to uh, a technical failure with batteries and things like that. And, and, and what so you mean so. they ran out? Yes, um, <laughs> and. Uh, there was another bit where I think you you wanted to pause it for for a reason and and I think each time that it stopped he goes oh don't worry about it Simon will sort this out in the editing and and I was I've listened to it and I think how on earth am I gonna gonna join this lot together because I don't just, know yeah. I was panicking yeah yeah well, this is this is a a, a a pro tip to anybody that, that um, wants to do a podcast and um, <laughs> yeah, and don't uh, do what we do yeah or anybody that's a host of a podcast that <laughs> if you if you want to enable uh, some editing then it's a good idea to draw breath in between the bit where you say oh, this, uh, yeah. don't worry you'll edit it um, and then carry on talking I know and I do know that I do know that it's just that it all all common sense went out the window when I was there with him. <laughs> And I was, and part of me was in fear that I was going to somehow lose what I'd already recorded. Because at one point, I just thought I'd lost that first five minutes. You know, when we were talking about me taking the enlarged and what he'd done, and I, I was convinced I'd lost it because I wasn't familiar with the uh, with, with the equipment. You see, so there's the other tip: get really familiar with the equipment before you go and use it. Not like this numpty. T- just sort of kind of turn up <laughs> and wing it. <laughs> well, I, I I know what you went through. Uh, is, speaking as somebody that's actually managed to lose two entire podcasts. Yeah. Um, th- yeah. I, I I know that feeling all too well. So uh, no, you did did a good job, and uh, it's it's a it's going to be a case. It's it's a little bit rustic in places. Um, just just so you know. Um, so you will you will have about fifty five minutes of uh, unedited Andrew Bartram uh, coming oh, at the end of the show. But it's it's well it's well worth listening to. So. Uh, um, do do stick with it after after we say goodbye. Um, okay, uh, let's let's get into. Actually, no. Before we talk about what we've been up to, um, I just want to say thank you to Brendan Barry uh, for being our guest uh, two weeks ago. Uh, really enjoyed that show, and we actually that was a show we had problems with uh, audio. So those I do do apologise about the audio quality, uh, both from myself and from uh, Brendan as well. I mean, I was having problems because I wasn't using my uh, normal mic, uh, so that was giving me difficulty. So actually, this is two weeks of technical difficulties, isn't it? So uh, um, hopefully, we'll, uh, we'll we'll be back on an even keel pretty pretty soon. So let's talk about our weeks, uh, what we've been up to, and um, so let's let's have, head over to the Fens and uh, see what's been going on on, on your in your world, Andrew. Well, um, to, to add to our uh, level of professionalism this week, I'm not actually in the fence. I'm sitting in my hotel room in Chester. So that's devotion for you, isn't it? It is. Yeah. You just shattered uh, people's illusions now. I could be in the pub, you know, on my fifth pint. And now I'm sat here not having had a drop of alcohol speaking to you, lovely folks. Actually, that, that's a point. You've just, well, I think about an hour ago, you posted a photograph in, in our Facebook group, which is the large yeah, you format can, photography podcast can uh, see me. Facebook group. And so, yeah, there was a selfie of, of Andrew in his, 
uh, Chester uh, room, and it's mm. uh, in a very short period of time it's attracted a few comments there. Uh, one from Cameron Shaw, who uh, very very much appreciates what you do, and uh, which was well us as a, I, I guess by extension. Um, there's a question there from is it Mark Fowl? Fowl? I don't mm-hmm. know how you pronounce that surname. Sorry, Mark. Um, but where's your lab box? And mm-hmm. just in case people are wondering, why why is why is he asking where's your lab box? Mm. Oh well, it's it's my expensive microphone stand. Yeah. So I, I get my microphone at the right height. I didn't bring it with me. You'll be surprised to know. Well, this this is it, and it's it it is an important feature, uh, an important tool, uh, because <laughs> uh, as as Andrew knows, I may have mentioned it before, why. My microphone, which is exactly the same microphone, um, it's a cheap one from Amazon, and it sits on a Kodak box, um, mm. an automatic tray siphon box, um, which I know, I know you want you want this item, but it just looks yep. too good. Um, so uh, I just use it as a as a mic stand. Um, so it does a good job. I keep dropping hints to you, but you don't seem to take them. That's it. And then there was uh, one final comment there from uh, Ben Reynolds, um, who suggested that you've blown your highlights out in the shot and you need yep. some kind of pyro camera app if one su- if such an app actually really exists. Well, maybe the uh, the digital file in my iPhone was probably a bit overdeveloped. I need to pull the developing time back a bit. That's probably what I need to do. There is that. There is that. So, uh, so yeah. So you're you're somewhere in Cheshire at the moment. And so yeah, what, I am. So what else have you been up to? Well, um, developed some slide film and made a uh, made a slideshow, but that's nothing to do with large format, so we'll skip over that. But that was really exciting. And I've been coating some watercolour paper with liquid emulsion. Now, there's a story behind that because, was it last Saturday, I was in Huntingdon, which is our nearest big, biggest town, about eight or nine miles from where I live. And... I popped into the Oxfam bookstore and vinyl store. I've been in there once before, but I uh, got chatting with the uh, with the manager, and uh, I'd bought a book by Les McLean. Have you heard of Les McLean, Simon? I think we might have mentioned him in the show. Doesn't ring a bell. He, uh, I was aware of him from years back, and he's he very much. I don't know whether he pioneered it, but he kind of. <coughs> He kind of um, flew a flag for split-grade printing, and uh, I found his book in this charity shop for two ninety-nine. So I took the book up to the counter, and the guys started talking about the book, and he said, oh, do you take pictures or something? I said, yeah, got a darkroom and, you know, and do photography up to 4 by 5 And anyway, at the end of it, he said, well, would you like to... Uh, uh, show some pictures in our window. We have rotating displays of local, you know, photographers and artists. Um, he says, "I'm assuming you can produce some nice prints." And so I showed him some Fenland stuff on my Flickr site, which he liked. And uh, so I'm going to have a little mini exhibition in the Oxfam window um, in in January, which is very exciting. Well, I think it's very exciting anyway. No, I agree. Uh, I agree with you. Actually, when when we were chatted about this earlier i i, I said at the time I, I thought you were going to say you've uh, got yourself an exhibition in that phone box that we were talking about with uh, with brendan in uh, in the prick willow phone box that's the one yeah 
Yeah, no, that's that's next. Steady on. I need to start low. You know, I'll start with Oxfam window, and then I'll move up to Prickwillow phone box. Anyway, so I've been thinking about this, and uh, I'm waiting for the enlarger to come back. The the Devere. So I, I got that back the other day, and uh, John uh, Boyce, who we'll hear from in a little while, had said, "Well, why don't we take it to bits, and then you can put it in your car, and it makes it a lot easier." Yeah, that, it did, but it took me a while to um, figure out how to put the whole thing back together. It wasn't that bad. It's just that I, I clearly didn't listen properly to what he said to me. And, I, and now in the back of my memory, I remember him saying, whatever you do, don't lo- loosen that particular wheel there until you've got the head connected securely to the top of the enlarger. So what did I do? I loosened this, I loosened this hand wheel and uh, the head carrier shot at a rate of knots up the column and nearly took the top off the enlarger. And I thought, oh, no. I thought I'd broken it. In fact, I'm, I'm still not convinced I haven't done some damage internally. And uh, later on, I found the handbook, and it says, whatever you do, if you loosen that wheel while the head isn't connected, just make sure you hold, put your hand on top of it to stop it shooting up to the ceiling where it might cause damage. I thought, yep, that's it. So... Um, I think it's okay. It seems it seems to be working. So I, I got all that back, and I thought, well, what am I going to do for this exhibition? And I've got a number of large format Fenland negatives, some of which I've made prints from. Prints that I weren't entirely happy with, so I thought, well, it's an opportunity for me to go back and reprint some of this stuff uh, from two or three years ago. And then I thought, well, why don't I try liquid emulsion? Now, I've had some liquid emulsion in my fridge for... Um, couple of months now and i've been waiting for a project to uh, to use it on so i thought well okay i'll do i'll try some fenland shots with liquid emulsion brushed onto watercolor paper now you can use liquid emulsion and brush it on bits of wood or whatever you want but i'll you know let's try paper to start with and of course graham vasey is uh, is the person i know who does this a lot um so i bought some Raleigh uh, Black Magic Grade 3 Emulsion, which is, um, you, you can take the top off in a dim red safe light, and it's just like rubber. So you have to kind of scoop a bit out uh, and melt it a bit at a time, you know, in a hot water bath, which I did. And using a, um, using a brush, I coated these bits of paper. That's as far as I've got at the moment, Simon. So my intention is to pick... I'm going to pick one negative to start with, and I'll do a. So I can treat this watercolor paper just like a normal photo paper now, and do a test strip, and determine the exposure. Now there is um, uh, there is a suggestion that I might need to size the paper, um, which with some gelatin. Uh, now I had some gelatin in the cupboard, but it was food grade gelatin, and I read somewhere. Uh, because it's got quite a high bloom factor. You see how technical I'm getting there with my gelatin. If it's got a too high a bloom factor, when silver nitrate, certainly for salt printing, so it may be the same for a, for a liquid emulsion, when it comes into contact with this high bloom gelatin, it can uh, oxidize the, 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 the silver. Certainly in salt printing, so I'm not sure if it works the same way. So at the moment, I've just taken some watercolor paper that I had in the darkroom, and I've coated three sheets. And then I was in the dark, and I thought, okay, now I can't open the door of the dark room because 
<laughs> I was going to let light in, and they were too big to go in the paper safe. I thought, oh, I'm such an idiot. You know, I, I can't now get out of the dark. I'm going to have to stay in here for days while they, while they dry off. So I, um, I found a print box in the bottom of the darkroom, so I shoved them in there and laid a, loosely laid a bit of black uh, card over the top and ran out of the darkroom. And hopefully um, when I next go back in, I can retrieve them and do some tests. I'm really looking forward to seeing those. So that that episode with with, with Graham, uh, we we touched upon uh, the subject and you know, the different, yeah. different ways how we do it. But we, I, th- I think we only scratched the surface there, didn't we? Really, we did. Yeah, I've got a great I've got a great book, and it's one that Graham used when he was getting into it, and it's uh, called uh, Liqu- Liquid Emulsion. I think it's out of print now, but it was written by the guys in who run Silver Print, who used to be in London and now down in. Uh, Devon so I'll just make a note here to try and look it up for the show notes uh, it's liquid emulsion that's Martin Reed uh, certainly is one of the authors and that's a great book because it goes right from the basics and then it uses examples by lots of artists who use liquid emulsion in lots of different situations you know um, and uh, I've spoken about it before but Tina Rowe, who um, we spoke to on the on the Lensless podcast a while back, she uses liquid emulsion and brushes it on oyster shells that she then projects images onto of found found photographs from sort of charity shops of families you know, and, and old pictures of soldiers and goodness knows what. I remember Tina Rowe being on the Southern 16 podcast. That was the first time I, I came across That's it. her. Yep. And uh, and she was talking about about this, and I, I had no idea what on earth she was doing. I think like, you know, she, I think she probably explained what it was, but you know, that was back in the days where I'd pretty much forgotten everything about film photography. I think I was still more interested in uh, digital photography at the time. And I was like, well, how did they even get the images on? So she's painting some stuff onto the shells, and then so. I, what happens next and uh and that and that I, I couldn't i could not work it out so i, I assume you an enlarger or a projector uh, is involved in in this process is that right well what tina will do because she's she's looking at it from uh, a very thoughtful artistic uh, base because she's she's what's uh, known as transracial adoptee that's what she would describe herself as so she's a, a you know, brought up in a white family, and I, I don't know whether she was in touch with her original family, um, but there's certainly she certainly has issues. You know, she talks talked quite openly to Cora and me about this issues around knowing quite who her family was and being brought up in quite an alien environment. So she expresses this in part now through going down onto the. Uh, riverbank the thames riverbank and mudlarking for oyster shells and you know if you wander around bits of the london uh, shoreline as the, as the along the thames along the south bank for instance as the tide goes out you find all sorts and you know i was there at the weekend and i found little bits of oyster shells and bits of clay pipe and all sorts of stuff like that and so she finds these oyster shells which have been discarded so there's sort of one element of what she's working through so this discarded element in the oyster shell and then she brushes this liquid emulsion so you do that under a red safe light and put it somewhere to dry and then she finds in the main she finds 
old found photographs or old negatives which he puts in the enlarger. So here again, we've got some lost family. There's questions around identity and heritage, and you know genealogy and who they are and where they, you know, are their family members looking for these people now? And and she projects the image down onto the oyster shell, and of course it's not a flat plane, so bits of it become dis bits of the image become distorted, slightly out of focus. And you just need to go to her Instagram site and you can see the results and they are hauntingly beautiful and of course it's speaking to her own personal situation yeah. so i'm going to see how this works if if it's i've got till january to try and work work on this and i thought if i can get a nice looking print um using this process on watercolor paper i'll take it into the man in the oxfam shore and says well what about this sort of thing and if he likes it i'll do two or three slightly different ones and, and that'll be the little mini exhibition if not i'll make traditional uh, gelatin silver prints using ilford paper so that's it that's um that, that's kind of um kind of kind of my week really coating paper developing slide films and setting up and nearly destroying the, the enlarger in the process right well i've i've it seems like ages since I've actually gone out and actually taken a photograph with a large format camera. Something that I think we, well, something I need to do something about. So I need to get, certainly need to get out there. I've got got plenty of paper. I managed to pick up some uh, FP4, uh, some expired X, FP4 uh, for a very reasonable price, and I, and then the the seller offered me another pack. Uh, it's an even more reasonable price and thought well there you go so now i've got you know at least 50 sheets of uh, fp4 i can do something with excellent um, so i uh, need to make use of that i need to do something with caffeinol mm -hmm. yeah I've, I've developed fp4 in caffeinol cl seems to work well well we were we were put onto that by wayne setzer we were uh, and actually to to that point um we've i think we've talked about the uh, Emulsive Secret Santa event, which is now too late for people to join. Um, but the idea behind it is to um, send something to a to another person anonymously uh, or potentially anonymously, and somebody will send something to you. Uh, and it's not a two way thing; it's it's like a round robin thing. And uh, you, the idea is, you one of the things is like you you need to put up something about what it is that you might want. So to give a bit of an idea for your Santa to go out and buy something appropriate. And um, my secret Santa list pretty much can, is, uh, is links to uh, wet plate supplies and uh, caffeinol ingredients. Mm. So, uh, so I'm, I'm hoping Santa's going to come through for me there, although Santa's not actually been in touch with me yet. Uh, yeah. I've, be, I've been in touch with the person I'm giving to, but nobody's been in touch with me yet. So... Uh, you, you have you got Mr. G. Rinch? Is he your <laughs> it's, it's possible. Although, to be fair, last last year, which was the first time I did it, I was in contact with a with somebody. I say a chap. But I have no idea uh, because he never actually made himself known to me. Um, but he uh, he sent me some, and I've mentioned it before. I got some uh, possibly uh, X-ray film, or at least it's all orthochromatic and probably ISO 25. I've, I've still haven't actually quite worked it out yet. Mm -hmm. uh, but he sent me a, a load of stuff and that, and this, that film was cut down from, from larger sheets. And I, oh, you know, so it was, it was a lovely thing I got last year and he, but he, I didn't have any contact 
until quite late on, until actually it actually sent the product. So um, it's quite possible that uh, my Santa's doing exactly the same, or they're not doing anything. So uh, who knows? That's the fun of the game, I guess. So um, so yeah. So uh, so there's that, and um, I've done a few things. Um, I haven't been taking pictures, but I picked up having been on a photo walk in Liverpool uh, with a few chaps there on the Mersey meetup um, and Stigger the Dump was one of the people on that uh, walk and uh, I've got a cup of tea heading my way now, just bear with me. Thank you very much. So uh, yeah, one cup of tea, um, good service today. Um, so uh, we, I was having a chat with Stigger about digitising and uh, because I, I'm still not quite in the position to be able to print large format, although we're edging closer to the day when uh, a large format uh, enlarger will head uh, to the six times darkroom, which I'm, I'm part of. And uh, you'll, I think you, you talk a little bit about it actually in the uh, chat with uh, John Boyce. Mm -hmm. um, but back on onto this bit. In the meantime, I, I still want to digitise. Uh, my larger negatives, like whether it be large, large format or, or medium format, for that matter, and I've been struggling a little bit um, getting getting it right. Because I'm using a camera, I'm not using a, a, a scanner, and and really taking a, a single shot of um, of a five by four is sort of missing the point a little bit um, in terms of resolution and so on. Although at the end of the day, if all you're doing is sharing stuff on Facebook and Instagram, it doesn't really matter. No. Um, but I would like to print. Um, but I also like to have things that are, it's a, it's a good resolution. So if I do digitize four by five, then I will take probably six photographs of, of the negative and stitch them together. But a problem I've been encountering and, I said, and the problem seems to be getting worse, not better is, is is getting an even light source across the across the whole negative now 35 millimeter it's not it's it's quite easy to get uh, that even light source but the larger that negative gets the harder it is to get that truly even um uh, light so when you expect and this really causes a problem when you're actually stitching photographs together because you get light parts on on the edges of the photographs and it will show in the final image and Stig uh, recommended a uh, a tracing pad, a particular tracing pad. It was only about twenty five pounds on eBay, uh, including delivery. Yeah. And, yep. and I'm, I'm going to use the microphone like a singer now and just carry it with me as I uh, head over to it. And it's called an AGPTEK AG. So AGT. Sorry, AGP Tech LED tracing pad, A4 size, and uh, and it just plugs into your computer or wherever um, via a USB power source. And it's yep. it's a it's a lovely flat light. I've not done not had to go digitizer with it yet, but it appears to be really good. It's very very promising, and I've I've looked at light sources, and usually this seems to be really expensive, and uh, this one seems to be a sensible price, and I think it's going to work. I just need to cut a mask uh, around. I'll use a bit of matte board or something like that, and uh, cut around it so I don't get any light creeping up around the edges, and uh, give it a go. Well, I have one of those. Um, they're, 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 did you say you bought yours on eBay or Amazon? Amazon. Yeah. So I think they're all churned out by one or a handful of Chinese factories, and they're all um, they're all around that price. Mine's got three light levels on it. You just a touch sensitive pad, and it just increases the light levels. 
and it was called a tracing pad and it was just 20 odd quid and it's perfect i use it as a you know as a light box for viewing negatives but it's a good even light and yeah i'd imagine it would work quite well for what you want yeah, well, certainly, fingers crossed. And actually, on, on the subject of digitising, because, I mean, a lot of people will be using the scanner uh, if they are mm-hmm. digitising or, you know, doing the method. That I, my preferred method of uh, using a, a digital camera. Um, in a few weeks, uh, I'm, I'm hoping it's going to be a few weeks, because I've been waiting to do this now for quite some time. But Hamish Gill has got this thing called a Pixelator that he's been working on now for probably close to two years. And it looks as, and that it went through Kickstarter and is uh, what you know oversubscribed and so on and so on. And uh, it got to the point where actually it was to to fulfil the orders in the way that he initially produced it. It wasn't really going to be particularly easy to do. So he pretty much redesigned it and did it in a, a way that's more sustainable in the long term for um, for production. And it's been an absolute nightmare for him. Uh, but it's it looks like he's he's on the edge of that that being finished and it's ultimately it's a device that, that you can digitize 35 mil up to five by four and it's a very simple thing it's, it's basically got a piece of diffused acrylic and it's got a gate system uh, that you open and close depending on the size of the negative that you want to do and it will effectively then hold the negative in place so that's one of the tricky little things that you, you, you get with, with digitizing. So hopefully that's going to be ready soon. And on the, the Classic Lenses podcast, we're going to be doing a special, if you like, uh, where we're going to be talking about digitization. Uh, and we'll have Hamish on the show. And uh, we're going to have Nate, um, who's the chap behind Negative Lab Pro, um, which is a Lightroom plugin. Uh, which and it's 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 almost a one-click solution um, for turning negatives into uh, viewable uh, positives, including uh, color negatives, which is the pretty much the hardest thing to get right. And uh, his program works fantastically. Um, so we're mm. we're going to have a special about different ways of doing it, and we'll go into a bit more detail about doing that kind of thing with the DSLR, if or, or mirrorless camera, if uh, that's going to be of interest to people. Oh, that sounds really interesting. Yeah, I mean, I know digitizing is a, you know, because most folks have this kind of hybrid workflow, don't they? And not everyone uh, has space or the inclination to make wet prints in in a darkroom. So, uh, and even if they do have a darkroom, you still probably want some way of digitizing negatives. Actually, that's a a point. The photos that you digitize, are they photos of your photos? Yeah. some yeah so my preference is to make a darkroom print and then make a scan um ah, right scanning the print yeah yeah just on a you know just on, i have an epson v500 so that does scan medium format negatives or with some jiggery pokery i could scan four by fives in two halves and then if i was clever enough to learn how to do it stitch them together yeah. um alex purcell certainly does that and i'm sure he'd help me but to be honest I'd rather poke my eyes out with a cocktail stick, <laughs> quite frankly. Um, so I quite like the idea that the only way I can digitize uh, 4x5 is to go in the darkroom. It makes me go in the darkroom and make a print, um, which I don't do enough of, but that's the idea, really. So, uh, yeah. Um, so, and then I scan negatives uh, for stuff I'm less emotionally involved with, maybe you know yeah having said that i've been doing a little project 
with a pinhole camera all about my feelings for staying away in hotel rooms and they're all negative scans uh, and at some point they will become prints uh, but at the moment they're just negative scans I mean having a negative scan sometimes gives you a f- bit more of a feel for the image doesn't it? you can do a contact print in the dark room I suppose and, mm. but you well, do a negative scan see if you want to make a print of it yeah well I, I don't have a scanner at all so I've when I've tried to take photographs of a photograph you know, you, you always get loads of reflections or I've, I've I haven't quite worked out how to take a photograph of a photograph without getting reflections yep. so uh, yeah it didn't never 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 quite work out for me well you could pick up a uh, Epson V500, which is a real good workhorse for probably less than a hundred quid now. Yeah, I've I've used the scanner before, and I'm, I've used the five, the five fifty, mm. and I'm I'm not enamoured with it, uh, to be honest. But although I, I keep on, I think I've got a, a search uh, on eBay for the V800. Um, yeah, which yeah. seems to be the one that would make sense for me. It does. Um, that also because that does your four five, doesn't it? Yeah, I think. And it also, eight, I think. Um, it may well do. And if you, who was I watching? I was watching a, vid- a video tutorial, or somebody was using one of these, and I think it's actually got adjustable feet on the negative carriers on those ones, so you can adjust it to get optimum. Um, you know distance i don't know if it, mm-hmm. quite where these things focus but he was suggesting that you know this adjustment of the negative carrier is 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 quite helpful mm-hmm. he'd done some experiments showing that he could if he adjusts it one way he gets nice sharp images whereas he thought he was getting sharp images until he adjusted the feet on this carrier but on the v500 and the 550 i don't think they have these adjustable feet right so yeah but yeah once you've got your enlarger in your Exactly. Six, six times dark room, you know, you might not. Well, I've got to say, that's that's the other thing about, you know, I'm saying, like, I haven't been out and uh, taken any photographs. Um, that pretty much, not, it's not just large format. I'm hardly taking photographs of anything. And that's because at the moment, I'm pretty much addicted to doing stuff in the dark room. Yeah. And I think that's really, I think that's really good, Simon, because I, as I was pondering this little exhibition thing, I thought, I can't remember the last time I felt as though I'd caught up with the backlog of negatives and it's very easy to get into that rut of just shooting more and more negatives, you know, and if you're not scanning, you're just, you're just, they're just piling up and I, and you, I, I begin to feel a bit overwhelmed by the amount of stuff that I've got and I, I need to just spend more time in the darkroom, you know, and, that, and that's it really for me. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I know where you're coming from. And uh, I say that, that leads me into, uh, uh, another thing, uh, this this weekend uh, just gone. It was the uh, latest or the, the the last of the year of the uh, Wolverhampton camera fairs, and uh, I was uh, chatting to Paul of Commercial Cameras, um, who was based in Church Stretton in the UK in Shropshire, and uh, I was talking about the 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 darkroom club we had, and he just goes, "Well, do you see that?" tray there with odds odds and sods of paper you can have that mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, somebody says yeah well let's go to a good home and um i, I guess i guess the six times dark room is uh, classed as a good home because uh, we, we i took this this paper back with us and it's a treasure trove um there was it's just not it's just not none of it is just normal paper 
Um, there's there's cool tone this. There's uh, there's some Kent Kentmere bromide paper. Um, yep. But the 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 thing that well, there's two papers that caught caught my eye, and uh, Paul Bullock is um, a listener of the show. He's also a member of the uh, of our Facebook group, and he comes along to the Sixth Town Darkroom when he when he can. And he was there with us on the, the, this week, and he did an absolutely brilliant job of. Um, explaining to Fraser Yule um, who also dropped in um, he didn't come specifically from uh, from Scotland to join us but he on, on his way through um, on the way, way through to Cheltenham and I think he was still with us around about quarter to 11 at night um, <laughs> I think he, he enjoyed himself but uh, Paul Bullock spent some time uh, with both myself and Fraser um, because Fraser's never actually been in the dark room at all and never done a print wow. and uh, and I, I thought well you know I could show Fraser how to do this, but frankly, Paul actually really knows what he's talking about, whereas you know, I don't. So, uh, so I asked Paul, and Paul more than happily uh, stepped up on that one, and 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 did a really good job of explaining, you know, what paper we use, why, you know, what the, what the con, you know, how you set things for for different contrast and why, and how long you would do things for, and so on. And uh, you know, we probably printed off about eight sheets, eight, eight photos to, to get something close to what uh, Fraser would uh, like. And um, yeah, yeah, it was just an absolutely fantastic evening. So I just want to thank Paul again. And it was great to see uh, Fraser again. But the reason I, I, I really, I'm thinking, why did I get there? And that was because uh, Paul uh, picked out that there's a, a couple of boxes of seagull paper. I think it's seagull. Mm -hmm. Yep. And uh, he, he goes... That's really good. That is, and you get yep. those uh, list printers will like that. Yep, so. it's wasted on wasted on you, Simon. <laughs> us, 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 us list printers, meaning me, yeah. would uh, would love some of that. So, so what's so special about the seagull paper? Why, why, why does a list printer uh, want want this stuff? Well, I don't think it's just um, for list printing, but it does it does take to list printing terribly well, and some papers do, and some papers don't and it's it's down to the you know the way these papers are made uh, i can't give you any more technical information than that but some some tim rudman in the past and indeed still does if you want to learn about lith printing you just google tim rudman you can sign up to his newsletter and i think if you go on to his site it gives you the latest papers or the latest information on the papers that are out there that'll still uh, lith print really well so i'm using a foma um uh, paper uh, multi-grade fiber paper and it's got the coding number on there 131 and 132 one is matte and one is semi-matte uh, or gloss possibly and they they produce a beautiful well it starts off as a salmon color and it changes through to a sort of golden color you know tones and you can get really delicate, creamy highlights and dark golden blacks, and it looks great. You, you using a very dilute lift developer, so not lift paper, which is a sort of, would have been used for um, very high contrast, uh, you know, copying reproduction techniques, but using normal photographic silver bromide, sil um, silver chloride or silver bromide papers, chlorobromide papers, probably is the correct term, and. Uh, um, some lift really well. The Ilford papers don't tend to so much. Um, some of those foam ones do. 
Forte papers, if you can find them. I think some of the Agfa papers certainly did. Um, and, and that seagull, uh, Oriental seagull. I think that's probably what it is, isn't it, Oriental? I think it's something like that. Yeah. Mm. But I think it was generally w- well regarded as quite a, a well-made, silver-rich uh, printing paper that did actually lift well. Well, the other, the other thing that Paul mentioned about it was that you you have to snatch it out, don't you? Because apparently you do. you've got to catch yep. it at the right moment and get it stopped. Yep. So you have a uh, you, you need to do it in trays as opposed to my slot processor. And typically, typically what you do is uh, find it, any negative is fine, really. And you just make a, a, a quick test print in the darkroom to get a normal, what you think looks about normal. If that's, say, 10 seconds, um, don't worry about contrast filters. Just print it with no contrast filters. So that's a sort of nominal grade two. And you take that base time and as a starting point, multiply it by uh, three stops. So 10 seconds to 20 to 40 to 80 seconds. So 80 seconds become becomes your exposure time. So you're grossly overexposing this paper. And then you take your list developer, which is very highly dilute and very low activity, and you put your paper in there. And probably in my case, after about 10 minutes of agitating, you need to keep the print agitating constantly. After about 10 minutes, you begin to see an image forming. I normally switch the safe light off because there's no such thing as a safe light, really. Um, so I switch it off until I know the image is going to start forming. I switch it back on again after eight or nine minutes. And then you just have to keep watching the blacks. And I have a darkroom, I have a torch with a red filter over it, and I just carefully, I use that as well to see where I'm going. And you just have to judge the point where you think the blacks have uh, increased in enough density for what you're after and they, they you see that you see them st- and this is a process called infectious development so the blacks suddenly start racing away and and uh, there'll, there'll be a point when if you don't snatch it and chuck it straight in the stop bath the blacks just will fill up completely um now if you don't like the highlights if you think the highlights are too uh, uh there's not enough detail in them they're all they're, they're burnt out um then you can uh, adjust the exposure. So by giving it uh, another stop, so 80 seconds become 160, you're giving more exposure, even more exposure to the uh, to the highlight areas. And so you you actually end up reducing the contrast a little bit and, and bringing the, sh- the highlights in a bit. So the more exposure you get, you reduce the contrast in the lith print. But, and that's all fairly basic stuff. And there's lots more you can do to it you can tone the, the resultant images in selenium and other things. There's a great site in Germany, Wolfgang Moresch, M-O-E-R-S-C-H, I think it is. And he's like Mr. He's a great guy to follow on Instagram, Wolfgang Moresch. And he sells chemicals. He sells lithable papers. He's got lots of techniques and uh, a great resource if you want to get into lith printing. Well, I think that's uh, this. This should give you a, an another reason to come along to the uh, to the six towns dark room. Because you can come down and give us a masterclass on lith printing as well now. Because we've got the stuff awaiting you. Yep. No, I'm happy to do some lith printing when I get down there. Yeah. 
was good. Well, there's there was there was another very well actually no, far more specialist uh, than uh, than that seagull paper that and it was uh, bromoil paper. Have you heard of bromoil paper? Yeah, there was a guy famously in the eighties, and his name was I think he was I think this was his name. His name was Gius Gius Sprint or something G double E R. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Is, is that an, have I got that right? Good, I don't or Gersh something. It, yeah, it's I mean, a bit like Scheinflug. Yeah, except, except he's very English, uh, but but not not with that name. Um, yeah. But uh, So I remember going to Rayleigh Camera Club about 30 years ago and someone giving a Bromile uh, demonstration, and I've got some articles on how to do it in old copies of camera darkroom user probably magazine and you have to produce things called matrixes and there's inking out involved and it also it's all a bit of a palaver from what i remember but you can get some beautiful painterly type sketchy like results promo that's it well i think we'll we'll put a link in the podcast notes uh for people to follow this because there's uh five it's a five-part documentary Gerspitz, except he's not. Um, but um, is is the chap anyway? And yeah. um, is he and, still alive or is he dead uh, now? I, well, it, it's when I've looked him up, it, it it does talk about the past tense. Uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, this does look like it was done in the eighties or the or the nineties, and it's it's a, it's an absolutely fat. I mean, it's it's fascinating. Even if you've uh, got no interest in ever doing anything quite like like this ever um if you've got any kind of interest in alternative processes uh, at all uh, i urge you to to watch it because it's it's truly fascinating and the guy is a master um mm. there's there's no no two ways about it and he goes you know he starts off by showing various different uh prints that he's done and then later on it goes into some detail as to how we actually does it and and he and he can manipulate shadows in in all sorts of different ways and and he'll lighten areas up uh, because generally i think the actual print comes out very dark and then you have to work on the on anything you want to brighten up um that i think that's the the general way but he would say like uh, a, a good size print uh maybe like 16 inch print something like that uh, would take him a day to do it um and you can see you could see why yeah, it was and you would certainly have to have an artistic ability uh, to be able to, yeah. to to do it this justice yeah i think so the um there's a couple of good resources one i use quite a lot for all things alternative uh, in the photographic world that is alternativephotography.com www.alternativephotography.com and they certainly have articles on making bromoil prints and then if you really get into it you can probably apply for membership of the bromoil circle of great britain and they have a website called the bromoil bromoil circle of great britain.com <laughs> it's even more it's even more cumbersome than us <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, um, but yeah. So oh, well, um, we we expect great things from you then. Uh, so. Well, no, not from me. But there is there is one chap uh, in our in our group um, that has done it before. Is uh, mm, is wow. a child at school. Goodness um, me! And it, it really? you know, I don't think you'll mind me saying this. That was a while ago. Um, so uh, I think he really fancies it, give, giving this another go, and I'm, I'll be fascinated to see him um, do it. So uh, so that that's that, that's quite exciting, really. Well, well I'll. 
I'll find a date. It's going to be in the new year now. Um, and I'll specifically, on my way up to uh, the northwest where my operational base is, I'll plan to be up there on a Wednesday and I'll stay Tuesday, over. Tuesday. Yeah, I know, but I'll stay over oh, somewhere Tuesday night, you see. So I don't have, so I'm st- I'll stay somewhere locally in your bedroom or something, you know, suddenly. Sure, we can find yeah. find find something something for you. No, I'll, find, I'll say locally, it's fine, and I'll do a um, uh, a, a lift printing demonstration. I'm, I'm 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 by no means an expert, but I can produce. I know enough to get a decent lift print, you know. So happy to do that. That would be great fun. No, that that'd be great, and uh, we, we can probably sell tickets if people know that you're coming as well, couldn't we? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> steady on. <laughs> Um, okay, and then one one more thing um, that, that I picked up um, was, uh, and uh, my friend uh, who's who has a stand there, Andy Cottrell, uh, he came came up to me and goes, "Do you want one of these?" And uh, he just dropped into my hand something I've been looking for for two years. And it's a Petru lens, but I'm a particular one, but it's not large format, so I'm not going to go into that one. But I also picked up something else from him, and that's a uh, Patterson Orbital print mm-hmm. developer thingy mm. um, but without the motor this is one of these things that can be automated and uh but it's got a little round thing s- on it hem- hemisphere underneath so you can rock it around isn't it exactly and yeah. i didn't I've, I've heard of these things but it's only vaguely in my head and uh, and i think i think these are meant to be quite good but i'm not entirely sure what you do with it but i looked out and was thinking can you do sheet film with this? Mm, I think so. Yeah, yeah, and it's... and you've got a, a you should have a way of filling it on the top, which is effectively a light trap. That's exactly, and uh, so as soon as I got it home, I, I went onto YouTube, and there's there's a there's a couple of videos on there uh, showing exactly how to very easily uh, modify it for uh, for use with four by five or seven by five or ten by eight. So uh, yeah, so uh, I think the the modern day alternative is our friends in a Stearman press who make the SP four, four, five tank are very close to finalizing. I don't think it was a Kickstarter. It was some kind of funded thing or where he took pre-orders for a, a modern day, uh, tray processor. That is more, you can uh, adapt it for numerous film sizes by moving the little, uh, dividers inside. Uh, so steer, if you, if you haven't been following the development of the Stearman press, sheet developing tray daylight filling tank thingy bob uh, go and google stearman press and you'll see the latest where, where where he's up to on the development of that particular product but that looks good i think it's going to retail for about a hundred pounds or so hmm. well i've got a question for you if if i do use this i mean one uh it's got an advantage that I could do i believe i can probably do four sheets and about 200 millichemicals which mm-hmm. is very appealing to me. Um, in fact, it might encourage me just to do a single sheet for you know, for, 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 for that. Um, but it's constant agitation. Mm-hmm. And I'm just wondering how you actually work out your development times. Because that, that considerably speeds things up, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, we'll move on now. <laughs> Well, it's like anything, I suppose. You, um, uh, I think. Well, yes, I think that if you're certainly the uh, what's it, the, the app on the on your phone, you know, the 
massive, dark room. Massive death. Yeah, that's it, yeah. I'm sure they give times for both constant agitation. Or maybe the or maybe the film, if you're using FP4 and you go on to the Ilford, Ilford certainly would give guidelines for constant agitation as opposed to intermittent. Well, actually, that's what uh, you've got. Pre- about the, is it pre- the mod? The, oh, I forget what number it is. Mod and a number. Those tubes and 54. things. Oh, is that something else? I see. Well, it's those those tubes. I think doesn't matter. Bz those. bt bzt That's bzt it, yeah. or btz tubes. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. the principle is just the same in terms of agi- that's yes. constant agitation, yeah. isn't it? So uh, yeah. So to, to be honest, mate, you'd need to practice. You just need to experiment, don't you? So if you if if the times for FP four and you were using ID eleven one plus one, I mean, you look look up the times. It might say something like twelve minutes or something. But I mean, I I tend to use eight minutes, but that's with intermittent agitation. You might find you're down at seven or something, but just practice on something that you're not too precious with. And if it produces a negative which has got highlights um, where you want them and it's a, you know, and you can print on grade two to three, you're probably in the right ballpark, aren't you? Mm. If you find that you've got a really dense negative due to excessive development, um, then cut the development down. Well, I've, I've certainly got enough FP4 now to... to trial it haven't i so uh yeah yeah makes sense yeah well they email emails did you want to do these emails quickly uh, yeah yeah no that that's that's what i was going to say i was going to say that's uh that's that's it for my my tales so um we have okay. three emails don't we i believe we do yes yes let's go let's let's do that then so we received uh, the first email from our uh, good friend who's emailed us before jock jock him jock him jocking gross don't snigger every time I say his name. I'm, you make me. I'll make you pronounce it. I was, I was going to say just just for the sake of our listeners, um, this this is actually our second attempt at reading this email out because uh, <laughs> we just had a technical problem and Andrew disappeared somewhere. Um, and I, I've got to say, Andrew, I think you did a better job of pronouncing his name first time round. Did I? Okay. Yeah. So anyway, like that. Mr. G- Mr. Growth says hello again. <laughs> Dear Simon and Andrew, as you were wondering about the wooden tripod, so listeners of um, uh, maybe the last show or the one before, we uh, commenting on Joachim's lovely wooden tripod, and he shows uh, a photograph of it, and more importantly, tells us where we can all rush out and buy one. So there's a company called in Germany called uh, Bellback, and uh, I'll put the links in the show notes to that if you want to go and buy yourself a lovely wooden tripod. He has his sitting pictures sitting. In, with his Sinar F2, lovely, heavy Sinar F2. And he says it's about the same weight as a Gitzo tripod of the same height, sturdiness, and so on. I guess it might be the same weight as an aluminium Gitzo. Am I saying that right, or is it Gitzo? Yeah, anyway, wh- whatever. Yeah. In my head, I've always said Gitzo, so I stand corrected if not. So I guess it's, uh, you know, so it's not a light thing. But then the Sinar P2, you know, it's not, you know. You got to work hard for your photos. That's not, that's, um, you know, it's a bit of a beast, really. It's got All a lot metal. of knobs and knobs and dials on it, hasn't it? Yeah, it's a bit. It's a step up from the F, the F iterations, because the front and rear standards become these really heavy metal standards with lots of geared movements and very precise, clever markings on them. Great cameras, but uh, yeah. Anyway, he uh, he sends his regards from Germany. Thank you very much, uh, sir. We'll share that with the rest of our listeners. And then, oh yeah, I enjoyed this email. This is from uh, Ian Turpin, who I think I heard an email being read out on one of 
Sunny 16's backing papers just recently. I think you're absolutely correct. And he says, uh, proper panoramic. That's the title of the email. Hiya, I've just heard you, Simon, go on about your Horizon camera recently. And I wondered if you wanted to put some big boy pants on and try medium format panoramic. Mm, there's a challenge. I have a Tomiyama Art Pano 170, which is a 6x17 panoramic camera with a 90mm Sch uh, Schneider Kruchnack. Have I said that right? I, I think the, the good idea on that one is just don't say the second part of it. <laughs> anyway, stuck a 90mm lens on. Uh, you get four exposures per roll of 120. See. Yep, you do. And it's stupidly easy to screw up. <laughs> I don't shoot large format unless you can't this camera, but thoroughly enjoy the podcast. If you want to borrow it for a while, you're more than welcome. I'll even throw in a couple of rolls of unexpired. Oh, Simon doesn't know how to shoot unexpired film, <laughs> which might sound generous, but it is only 12 exposures less what you something up screw up but he says it in a different way i think it would be interesting to hear your thoughts and also see the results would be great for your light painting oh no? yes um you can explain that in a minute why not take on too much at once strange squiggly face i'm in northwich which is what the now i know northwich because isn't there some don't they do things with salt there and some uh, there's a salt factory or processing yeah, middle, middlewich Oh yeah, well that's that's not. Well, it's not far. It's, it's just a. It's between one witch and another. There you go. Yeah. Um, that'd be the third nipple then. It's got a manga now. Yeah, which is <laughs> which is relatively close to the city of Stoke-on-Trent. Well, maybe. Yeah, and now, well, yeah, it's it's not too far. It's just uh, down down the M6, really. So. And now term has finished for me. Next Tuesday is the last week. I was thinking I might come along to your darkroom thingy. And say hello and fetch it along. Excellent. I'm not excluding you, Andrew. Well, it sounds like you are, to be honest. But I don't know where you are in the world. What do you mean? Everyone knows where I am. What's wrong with you? In the I'm fens. In I'm in the fens in Warboys in Cambridgeshire. It's not really a postable camera, and it's stupidly heavy. But if you're close, the offer still stands for either of you. You could have a competition. Well, hold that thought. Do panoramic street photography and get Graham and Perry to judge squiggly smiley face seriously i would pay cash for this love both the classic lenses podcast and the large format podcast even though i don't shoot large format and have no real interest in classic lenses <laughs> <laughs> it's um it's the personalities yeah uh, yes i agree well i shoot six by 17 on my large format camera simon knows when we tried to do we tried to use it for Double exposure challenge, didn't we? That was for the large format. Not, not, no, that's us. <laughs> the negative positives negative. Uh, film photography podcast with yeah. um, Andre and Mike. Yeah, we tried putting, well, I tried putting a roll of 35 millimeter film in that back and shooting six by, well, it wouldn't be six by 17, would it? But anyway, whatever 17 centimeters is in. Yeah, well, it is 17. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. It's, it's getting late now, isn't it? Or 170 millimetres. Anyway, it would have been a long strip of 35 millimetre film. So, basically, I, I also have 6x17 uh, access to a 6x17 uh, image size. So, yeah, if you want to drop it, take it along and join Simon one night at the Six Hands Darkroom and take your 
6x17 camera. Um, we'll see if Simon can come up with any more beautiful images than I do. I think, I think wasn't I meant to invite him down? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> but I, I'm just going to say, not that I, I, it's almost sounding like, well, perhaps I don't want Ian to come. No, I do want you to come. Please do, and uh, do bring it with you. Um, that sounds very, very interesting. Um, and, uh, yeah, so come down on a Tuesday night, anything from 7 o'clock onwards, and uh, if you get in touch with me directly, I can give you some directions and, and things that you might might want to know. But, yeah, I'd love to have a go at that. It, it sounds really, really interesting. And, uh, I've, yeah, panoramas are something I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting quite into, although um, mm. that's the thing about the, the horizon. I'm not too sure what the uh, angle is going to be, the angle of view, um, because that's the thing I particularly like about the horizon is that yeah. is, it, is it 120 degrees? It is. Yeah, something, you won't you like won't that. you won't get that much in the uh, with a 90 mil lens on. I tend to use my do I use 90? No, I tend to use my in fact my standard lens on my six by seventeen back. Um, I prefer the look of the standard 150 mil lens with the six seventeen back. Uh, and if I use my 90. Um, yeah, I, I I struggle a bit more. It gets getting a wider angle of view then, but it's not one twenty. But I like the idea of setting up a tripod with a large format camera and a six by seventeen back and doing street photography. That sounds awesome, doesn't it? I'm just just thinking now about uh, the size of actually printing that. I'm not going to be able to. Ooh. No, you won't. Six by twelve. Oh, actually, you might be able to with your six by with a five uh, five by seven. Yeah, larger. it might you, just you might just do it. You'll be able to. I can only go up to six by twelve. Yeah. So there you go. Oh, that'd be awesome. So yeah, I've I have made contact prints with six by seventeen um, negatives, and they're they're very nice. Well, the the other thing is we've got uh, a roll of film. It's five inches. Uh, tall if you like uh, but mm -hmm. you know, goes goes on goes on forever um so that's absolutely that'd be perfect for printing mm. oh yeah that sounds that sounds really really good ian anyway and yeah. ian get yourself along that yeah. sounds wonderful and yeah. uh, don't worry don't worry about me you just favor simon uh, but you can happily send me film though i'm always up for that <laughs> <laughs> uh, one thing I, I was gonna say i mean do do come down any tuesday you like but i think it might be a good idea to do it once we've got the the printer there because we will be able mm -hmm. to print one of your shots do you mean enlarger enlarger yeah so uh, we will be able to do that when we get the uh, the seven by five do you know when Mr. Segersby when when is he is he delivering it to you? Have you got to go and pick it we've, up? We've we've not quite worked that one out yet. Um, right. But and he's uh, I mean he's 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 a busy old chap as you as you know yeah. uh, not yeah. as old uh, but he's busy and um, he's just getting it's just getting the time for him to just get everything together. Um, yeah. But uh, it's 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 he's moving in the right direction and that's that's the main Excellent. thing. Um, so uh, yeah, really looking forward to that. Um, so yeah there we go and uh yeah i say come actually come down anytime you like ian and um and if you want to come down before it turns up then great and come down again after and come and visit as many times as you like frankly mm. excellent yeah last email then before we roll the uh roll vt yes that's whatever the expression is so we've had a email maybe our first email from australia australia mate yeah he says look because all Australians start their sentence by the word look. Look, 
Oh, he doesn't. He says hello. Yeah. I'm really into. I'm really enjoying the podcast and uh, uh, and often listen while driving. So just one. Okay, that's about is it. Yeah, let's <laughs> let's finish that one right now. Yeah. Do, you don't want me to do any. Do you not like dodgy, um, stereotypical, stereotype accents? Uh, yeah, I, th- I think it's. Yeah, I, I do think. Yeah, keep 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 leave the accents away. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a, that's, a, that's a good idea. Okay, hello. I'm really enjoying the podcast and often listen while driving. So just wondering if you wouldn't mind making a small addition to notes on each episode. In addition to the websites, etc., please consider including a listing of any books you discuss or even mention. Uh, it would be really helpful, at, at least for me, because while driving, I can easily make an, I can't easily make a note of them. Um, when I, I thought I'd, I thought I certainly have made reference to some books, but maybe I've missed some. Well, I'm, I'm just wondering if, if Peter's actually viewing, because I think some of the notes will, I mean, I, I I think if on your podcast app, sometimes you can get a lot of the notes appear on that. Mm. Um, I think I don't know. It was that that's not the way that I, I listen to them, so I couldn't I couldn't say. Um, but certainly, if you go to where the podcast is hosted, uh, which is on Podbean, Podbean. Mm. Um, so um, um, I mean, it's, it's just putting a link in there if you can't see it. Um, so if no. you do a search for Podbean, and then on Podbean. Uh, do a search for large format photography podcast you will find our page on there and you'll find andrew's copious notes um well in the sorry finish that sentence no 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 in uh when i share the link to when you when you when you put the podcast out it tends to be me who then shares it into the facebook group and all i do is i go on to podbean and share the link directly from there and i that that transfers the show notes in to Facebook, and sometimes as well. I haven't done it recently. I've actually cut and paste the Word document into the into the group as well. Um, it could be that Peter's not on Facebook, but so uh, quite a be. number of people just won't go anywhere near it. So, uh, That's true. so yeah. but that would be if if that is the case, and you're you're not seeing the notes on on Facebook, and uh, well, you can find them on Podbean, and uh, Andrew does a great job uh, with well, with the well, notes. Well, if I mention a book, I try and make a note of it and put it in but there may be and i do apologize if i've missed some i apologize uh peter but if you can remember uh well i suppose if you're listening if you eventually listen to the podcast you'll know what they are won't you but um anyway so i, I take it on board peter <laughs> and i'll uh, i'll try and make sure that i record the details of books we mentioned we haven't mentioned any this week have we have we um, yes, you have mentioned the book, actually. Have I? Yeah. Oh, dear. oh yes, the Li- Liquid Emulsion book. That was it. Yep. So, yeah, I've got a note to do that when I do the show notes on Friday when I'm back home. Excellent. Um, okay, well, I think that's it for this part of the show. <laughs> Goodness me. feels like we've been talking two hours and it's just us two. Yeah, yeah. Um, we will be back in two weeks with a, another guest. Um, mm. So... Uh, you've got uh, John Boyce to look forward to now. Please, please uh, do listen to that. It's a, it's an excellent listen. Um, and um, yeah, so that, so from this part of the podcast, or at least me, uh, because you've, you've got quite a bit of Andrew still to come. Um, so I'll say goodbye, and uh, I'll hand over to Andrew to just finish this little section and introduce the last part of the podcast.
Yeah, thanks, Simon. Well, I think we covered most of it earlier on, but uh, we've got about an hour now just listening to me chat with John Boyce. And John is uh, Mr. DeVere. That's all we can really say. And, uh, yeah, so we've already covered the dodgy uh, recording and my lack of recording skills. But there we go. So please enjoy, and we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye-bye. So I'm here with John Boyce of Odyssey DeVere. Good morning, John. Good morning. So we're going to talk to John uh, a little bit about his his uh, life with Odyssey DeVere and how he came into that and uh, what he does now, uh, what keeps him busy, uh, how come people are still using photographic enlargers. And, uh, but I'm actually here to pick up my DeVere... 504 which has had a, a a bit of a, a bit of a birthday what have you what have you done to my 504 john what have i done to it i've uh, uh cleaned it yep. but uh i've uh, given it the once over in all mechanical um areas uh and uh, uh and electrical uh i've uh, uh adjusted every part that needed adjusting um i've replaced a couple of things that needed replacing which were screws that are broken off on the uh, tightening of the uh, on focusing and negative uh, movements of the uh, of the machine um, and lined it up which is always a quite important uh, um, factor with uh, um, uh, negative and uh, uh, and uh, wet printing actually before we get into the formal stuff of uh, sort of introducing you and talking about your background that whole area of setting up in in larges it's an area that I think as I talk to folks online, maybe if they've just bought their enlarger, particularly if it's second-hand, uh, they won't know much about setting up. But they certainly won't, no. So maybe a few tips on uh, what people... Just general tips, not necessarily to do with Odyssey in uh, De Beer enlargers, but with general enlarging. Some tips perhaps from you, John, from your years of experience? Well, don't get too excited about um, uh, lining up. Remember that the lens is the one thing that... Um, if it's out of line, will give you the worst results in uh, focus at, uh, on your on your print because a small movement of the lens will actually cause a large amount of out of focus from centre to uh, to edges. Uh, also, remember to use the correct focal length of lens for the negative that you're actually using, i.e., a 50 millimetre lens for a um, 35 mil neg and a 150 millimetre lens for a 4x5 because everybody thinks they can scrimp on lenses and get uh, bigger um, sizes out of their enlarger than they should do. But if you use the wrong focal length of lens, then it won't work properly. Um, lining up, uh, there's lots of devices in the past that have been available with uh, into lasers and, and uh, um, optical. Use a spirit level. That's, uh, um, use a spirit level on the negative plane. Uh, uh, both uh, ways and on the negative plane that is the major thing to do um, the baseboard is important but it's nowhere near as important as getting your negative and your lens at uh, uh, areas lined up so I think when I've done this before I've I've uh, if I've got a small spirit level yep. and I've um, tried to get it into the negative plane area yep. and then I've moved it down onto the baseboard and generally if I've got whether the baseboard's sort of physically level or not as long as it's parallel with the negative area I'm guessing 
both, if if in both planes. If your baseboard, uh, your ne uh, negative plane, and your lens plane at, uh, are in line, it doesn't matter with the enlargers cocked over at 45 degrees, no. it will still be sharp when you print. At, Do, uh, would there be some enlargers that. <laughs> I mean, could they have faults inside them, which means that they, um, you know, they're not sitting square or is it is it just sort of set they could they can have problems inside um uh, with uh, a, adjustments and where various bits of the enlarger are screwed together but just concentrate on the negative and the lens plane of the enlarger to get those lined up um and everything else should fall into place if you take a devere for instance they're lined up and there are center clicks at uh, where we put movements for um uh, correction of uh, verticals uh, and horizontals uh, when using um, 5.4 cameras at, uh, and trying to get your verticals more. we put adjustments on the enlarger uh, to be able to, to move the negative plane and the lens plane to do vertical correction have I got that on mine? <laughs> <laughs> you, you've got it and you've got it on yours Yeah. That's, uh, before you leave I'll show you show me okay? how to do that I'll show you how to do it yeah. but there's a centre click that uh, with, with a, a little spring a little ball and a little at, uh, that when we when we finally line him up in the factory, that uh, that was all put in there. So um, you, you can do the movements. You can always buy at uh, uh, a, um, uh, a, a a manual from us and I'll show you how to do it. That's, uh, yeah, I've uh, seen that manual. Yeah. I didn't understand it. I think That's I'll just uh, find it to, easier right. to bring it to you. <laughs> so I think the, the my my poor old enlarger. Yeah. We'll uh, we'll take a pause there. Yeah. I'll show you that what I'm talking about. Okay, well, I think we'll assume... And, and how to line it up if you want to. Excellent. I won't stop the recording in case I lose anything, so uh, hopefully we've got we've got all that. If we find we haven't got all that preamble, I'll, um, I'll make it up when we do the podcast. You, you get the background. Yeah. <laughs> so, John, anyway, it's lovely to be here, and uh, thanks for the tea and the chat. So right. what, why don't we just start by... Um, you know, in my mind, John Boyce, I first caught contact with you a few years ago, I think after I'd got my De Beer 504, mm -hmm. just for just some help with a fan that was broken and things like that. Uh, but I've been familiar with De Beer and Odyssey De Beer from old adverts in Amateur Photographer, in uh, Darkroom User and Camera and Darkroom User magazines. Well, it, been, it would have been De Beer, and then it, uh, from 92 onwards, it had been Odyssey De Beer. Okay, well, why don't you start by, I think you and De Beer and Odyssey are intrinsically linked in my mind. We are. Yeah. So why, why don't you take some time and please be as um, uh, uh, as forthcoming as you, as, you, as you need to be. We're not pressed on time. And talk, talk to us about your background, how you came to be associated with uh, this business, and bring us up to where we are now, and then we'll talk about some of the things that you're doing these days. Okay. Um, well, when I left, when I was at school, I wanted to be, uh, or to leave school, I wanted to be an engineer. Um, as usual in those days, we were put into streams, like an English or a, or a mechanical stream, and I was put in an English stream, but uh, I saw this workshop at, uh, at the bottom of the uh, school playground, and uh, I wanted much more to be in there than I did to be sitting there learning English language and English literature which I passed my at, uh, GCEs in, um, but didn't take anything mechanical, but I used to go and play in the workshop. So when I left uh, uh, school and all the other things that are going on, I remember I wanted to be an engineer. Um, and I then spoke to my mother and uh, various people of where I might go, 
and I went to three companies. Uh, one I know was called Small Electrical Engineering, and another one was called Devere, which had a very small workshop in Penge, um, uh, uh, South London. And my auntie knew via a church, I think, the boss of the uh, uh, of the company. So she said, why don't you go and have a, a chat down there? So I went down there and had a chat. And it was amazing at those days um, to be a, an apprentice. Uh, I, there was plenty of opportunity. At, uh, and I went to the three companies and each of the companies offered me a job at, uh, as an apprentice engineer. Uh, and I thought about it and I thought it's probably better to go to a little company um, and uh, uh, I might progress more in a little company than I would in a, in, mm. in a big company. Sure. Um, and also with a bit of family connection, not a lot but a, a little bit, I decided to um, take the offer from, uh, uh, from De Vere, of which uh, I started as a pure um, mechanical engineer doing my apprenticeship, my five-year apprenticeship to uh, land up to be a scientific instrument maker. They were called indentures at that, at that time. And, uh, and so I started there, I started to enjoy it, and I started, I absolutely totally remember, been taken into the workshop, shown, shown the, around the workshop, and shown a bench, and on that bench was a 54, a line of, I remember, 12 54 enlargers. And I was given a job with a little paintbrush to paint uh, black paint inside the bellows of a 54 enlarger, and that was the first job. And to be perfectly frank, in the last uh, oh, uh, 60 years, that, uh, I haven't done anything different. I'm still painting <laughs> inside bellows of, uh, of now a 504 enlarger rather than a 54 enlarger. Um, uh, but there's been a lot of water under the bridge in that, uh, uh, in that time. I realised after a short period of time of working machines and getting dirty with the cast iron and those things. I really didn't want to spend my life in a factory. Um, fortunately, it was a small company. Um, it was very flexible. I got on well with the governor. Um, and I, after a year, a couple of times, I asked, well, I could go out and fix things outside, um, which I said I would, as I had a motorbike. And uh, I was sent off to various places, uh, first of all with other people, to fix machines out in London um, that needed fixing. Uh, and uh, so, in the end, before my well before my five years was up, I was spending fifty percent of my time travelling around doing service work, and the other fifty percent in the factory making so, enlargers. So, this small engineering company you started working with was called. Yeah. Devere, yeah. Kensington Limited. Devere Kensington, that's very yeah. posh, isn't it? It was. Yeah. And did they just did they just make enlargers, or were they making other instruments as well? No, they just made enlargers. Um, if you've got the time, I'll just give a slight background on that. Okay. That the uh, the old governor Arthur Sparks, um, uh, he was a, uh, an engineer, who did a lot of um, war work, uh, and he met a photographer. Uh, the photographer and he started Arthur Swartz started a very small engineering company in Penge no no in, in Peckham and uh, uh, he this um, photographer asked him to make him if we could make him a dish warmer uh, so he made a dish warmer uh, and then the photographer said oh could you um, uh, well, what's the next thing oh could you uh, maybe make a 5-4 camera and uh, <laughs> he said he could however he made his 5-4 camera 
and they were sitting in the guy's studio, um, which was in um, Kensington High Street, on the corner of Kensington High Street and Devere Gardens. Ah. And they said, um, that was, uh, we should start a little company um, mm -hmm. making photographic gear. Uh, so they agreed to do this um, as a partnership of the, with the photographer doing the selling and, and Arthur Sparks making the stuff. And they looked around and they said, uh, what are we going to call the company? Mm -hmm. uh, and they said, well, Devere sounded like a posh name. At, uh, um, uh, and uh, so they called it. They had to call it Devere Kensington Limited because there was a Devere... Um, uh, a diamond company named De Vere. And a uh, hotel chain, I think, these and days. And a hotel chain. And De Vere, the first De Vere Hotel was in De Vere Gardens in um, 5 Kensington High Street, That's uh, which where, where they were um, sitting. So what uh, year, if, if, if you don't mind... It goes back, year, I, 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 I can't actually was? remember the first year. Was um, it after the war? It, it was uh, um, yeah, just after the war. And after... In a minute, I'll find it. Okay, yes, the actual, okay. Uh, no, uh, the actual date. Which John's got, got a, a folder here yeah, with pretty records. much the history of Odyssey and stuff in it. Yeah, that's, I'll find the. We're just after the war. Yes, uh, that they get together, and uh, then they started a factory in. Um, it was in Peckham, uh, and that went on, and in the end, had a little foundry. Um, so they did a, a, a cradle to grave operation at. Uh, of, uh, of actually casting the, um, uh, did electrical work, mechanical work, did the painting, did everything. That's uh, so the um, on my Devere five hundred four. It's got this cast. Uh, yeah, what column, do they call the column? Column. Cast um, column. Would that have been made? That would have been made by by Devere at, at, at our own foundry. Yeah, that was. But it, that was in Devon by then when that one was made. Right. But, uh, yeah. Uh, as things progressed uh, okay. uh, on, uh, that uh, obviously the the camera went in into, then into a larger. Uh, and uh, I carried on making cameras, and the main product though was uh, was enlargers that they uh, um, they made. The factory then went to uh, X um, WD Buildings in Penge, uh, uh, to uh, which would be let out very cheaply to, to to carry on the after the war effect, you know, the engineering etc. Um, uh, and uh, that really did then turn into an enlarger factory. Um, not a lot of cameras were made, but they were still made, um, uh, and that's when I started in whenever it was. It was let me just think of the Careful year. Careful, you'll be dating yeah, yourself I, now. I, I will. When it was it was just about let's say sixty, shall we? At uh, um, mm. uh, nineteen sixty. Um, uh, when I started as a prince engineer, then it basically enlarges, and we just have one small area making uh, uh, five, four, and eight by ten, and seven by five half plate. It was that time. So were the monorail cameras? Yeah. Okay. So was the uh, you said it was f five four? Was that the name used for the camera and the early enlarger? Uh, no, we, we at uh, fifty four was 54. the uh, um, was enlarger because mm. it did a five. Well, it actually did half plate, and okay. there's a little story behind that. Um, mm. They're quite similar, aren't they? I forget the sizes. Half six plate. and a half, four and three quarters is half plate, and four by five is four by five. Yes. So <laughs> just a little bit bigger. At uh, um, and uh, half plate was made because purchase tax was charged on anything under four by five at uh, in uh, in the photographic industry, and anything above four by five there was no purchase tax. Really? Yeah. So the fifty four or the not not yeah the fifty four 
was made as a half plate uh, um, machine, so it, that purchase tax wasn't charged on it. That, uh, a bit of creative accountancy and tax avoiding. That's it, that's exactly. <laughs> that's a, but no, it, it would actually just do half plate. With a cathode head on it, it would actually cover a half plate size. Um, but it was made for 4x5, really not that, that and two and a quarter square. Um, 35 wasn't that sort of big in at, uh, uh, in those days. At, uh, so a 5x7 quarter plate at, uh, um, uh, and half plate, whole plate, where the, uh, where the, the actual size is, yeah. at, uh, um, which became 4x5, four, 7x5 four and 8x10 as, uh, as mm. things moved on. So a 5x7 uh, enlarger is as near as Damn, be, uh, it is a, a half, is a, a half, half plate, plate yeah. camera. And 1318 is the continental size, and that is still a different size from 7x5 and half plate. And it's a, it's yeah, well, a we won't size. have to worry about it's that a, soon. Once, once, uh, once we leave the European Union, yeah, we can just go back to feet and inches. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we can do, can't we? Yeah, but uh, however, that that was the that was the progress on um, uh, of uh, of De Vere. Uh, and after I started, so before five years, I was in, well, well before five years, I wasn't working in the factory. Um, where, sorry, where was the factory at this point? It was in Penge? a place called Thayer's Farm Road in um, Penge. Okay. In Penge and Beckenham border, yep. that's, uh, which is still South London. Yes. Uh, that's, uh, and how many, how many enlargers do you think would have been sold in a year? In, those in, days? in, in a year, then, well, I wasn't sort of privy to the, the figures that. Uh, um, uh, at that time, <coughs> me. Uh, but I know we produced. Um, let, let me see. It was twenty. Um, there, there would be in a month. That there, there would be about fifty, um, uh, fifty to eighty enlargers a month at, at that time coming out mm. uh, of different sizes. Yeah, uh, four by five. The four by five was the smallest that uh, we made. Um, seven by five and um, eight by ten. A whole plate. That's, mm-hmm. uh, that. Uh, that were the sizes, um, and. I'd say a couple of dozen cameras. You know, there wasn't a lot, but that was increasing fairly rapidly. Uh, and in terms of the uh, illumination on the enlargers at that time, what what was the sort of illumination? The main illumination was cold cathode. Um, T- cath- now, tell us a little bit about cold cathode, because my co-host Simon has just been given uh, a five by seven enlarger, and it's got. I think I showed you a picture of it last time I was yeah. here, and it's got the cold cathode. Head, but it's yeah. also got a condenser yeah, head, got a condenser head as, as well. well. Yeah. So, so for the benefit of Simon and anyone else who's listening, uh, ex- explain a bit about that. It's, it, it, it's a granny soft printing light to get rid of the wrinkles. That's uh, that's uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's how we always used to. Um, Which one? The cold, it, cathode. cold cathode. Yeah. Mm. It's a it's a fairly soft um, blue atinic light, but a very good black and white printing light um, because the tubes, the, the fluorescing tubes, were. Uh, were actually coated with a blue um, uh, which, is, which is the wavelength which at which the, wavelength the traditional papers would have been sensitive correct. to correct, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's exactly right um, so it's very good printing light but it's a bit soft uh, um, that, that, uh, but worked very well once the tubes were operating they, well I've still got tubes that uh, fired up after 40 years You know, it's, if uh, you've got scratch negatives I've no idea whether Simon scratches his negatives or not, does that I know a colour head, a diffuser it, colour head, softens it, 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 it softens it down. It's, yeah. uh, it softens scratches. And I always tell down, people yeah. after I went on a Larry Bartlett printing course <laughs> to use a bit of nose grease. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, onto right. the uh, onto the non-emulsion side of the negative. That helps. Yeah, yeah. There you go. One way of doing it, isn't it? Yeah. 
and like sticking it on the end lens. So it, if you've got a focus, would Simon be advised to use his cold cathode head now? Do you think, or should he stick with if his he, stick with he, his condenser? If head? he d develops his negatives or produces negatives to actually work with the um, cold cathode. Um, so maybe a slightly a higher contrast, contrast and harder, so de develop and harder, them to fully, yeah. fully developed negatives. Fully developed negs, mm. um, uh, then the the uh, cathode light would be very good. Yeah. You know? um, but you've got to match it. You know? yeah. so, but if you do have scratch negatives and things like that, then the cathode light is the one to use. At, uh, it does fill in the edges. There you go, Simon. So you can, but you, for your rubbish uh, negative, yeah. you can, you've <laughs> got the it. perfect yeah. enlarger. You've got an excuse now, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, uh, is condenser light source which we call the soot and whitewash um, uh, light source, which will show up every scratch and, and things like that, yeah. um, which you can put diffusers into the uh, um, drawer of a You could, a you could make a, home, like a homemade diffuser, couldn't you? For yeah, a, yeah. yeah. Well, I think just, I've just, done that before. Just, just, just a small bit of... Um, just make sure uh, it doesn't catch uh, fire. Uh, the, the small perspex, you know, that's uh, uh, and there, and it's uh, uh, in the, in the um, filter drawer mm. of a um, condenser light source. And uh, then you can use the Ilford under the lens Filters, filters couldn't it? Yeah, yeah. Which yeah, are sure. quite good anyway. And that, that's, that was the progress. And then um, uh, we came on to diffused uh, tungsten halogen at uh, uh, light sources. Um, and then we came on to using um, filters uh, with those for colour uh, printing. And we used to use the, you might remember, the AGFA um, dial in at uh, uh, colour head. Uh, which I'm, you, I'm shaking my head now. No, I'm you, clearly you, far you, too young. You could. Uh, <laughs> that was uh, uh, made by Agfa, and we used to stick that on top of a condenser light source with a diffuser in, <coughs> and, okay. uh, uh, to project colour through. Durst, I have to say, which our major competitor in the professional market, came out with a soft light um, uh, colour head using um, rattan filters, but in a um, uh, in a wheel. And a sort of progressing wheel at uh, so the um, the colour head apart from having the you know the magenta yellow and yes yeah, cyan magenta yellow yes yeah. yeah, cyan yeah. uh, that one filters yeah. in <laughs> <laughs> you've got this is effectively my dichromat head yes. so you've got your tungsten light and it shines into a a big soft white box white doesn't box it? yeah it's soft into and but then in between came what we call dichroic uh, filters which were dyed in the mass glass at uh, uh, in the cyan magenta yellow um, uh, uh, colours. Uh, well, so is that what that stands for? Yeah, dichroic, and that's where it says dyed in the mass at. Uh, um, and these were uh, I, I, I actually don't know who invented it, um, uh, but dichroic filters are used sort of everywhere. Um, they are, are put into a centrifuge uh, and, and with the, and, and dyed with this and, and really spun at you know amazing speed, and they and they really are dyed in the mass and they really don't fade that's uh ah, that's uh, okay that's uh they get dirty yeah they, as uh, mine were so, yeah they get dirty and that's uh um but you you clean them up and they that's uh and up they come you know that's uh so but they really are virtually permanent at uh, colors so that really then put uh, color photography from enlargers really gave it a great spurt you know with the uh, dichroic uh, um, colour uh, light sources, which is then shining um, uh, uh, a what we call a multifaceted bulb, um, which then uh, um, focuses about an inch ahead of the of the bulb, and that's where you put the filters. So the maximum amount of light goes through the filter, which then goes into uh, through a small hole in a box, mm -hmm. um, which is what we call a soft box. It's basically made of 
ceiling tiles. Yes, I noticed that's, when I uh, had mine apart. Um, yeah. uh, with all the experiment and all the stuff that's gone on in the it's world over, over though, the last umpteen years. It's not asbestos, though, is it? It's not asbestos. No. We've come <laughs> up with... The I'm main, relieved. It is, is absolutely the standard <coughs> at, uh, ceiling tiles. Uh, cut the shape and all these sort of things. But because they've got all the little um, uh, ripples in them, they mix. But that's what they do is they mix it bounces all around in that box mixing all the colors together uh, with a, a piece of um a perspex uh, uh, at the bottom um uh, which then gives an even light over the uh, uh over there we um came up with an idea that the perspex in the bottom um uh, which is a white perspex and it's, uh, mm -hmm. we machined it so it was thicker in the middle than the edges so that uh, because obviously as you know a, a light projecting down yes. you're going to get the Some distance from your lens to the outside of your print to the center is more so you're going to get less light at, uh, at, the, uh, at the edges at the edges so we machined the uh, the actual perspex in the bottom of these light boxes so it's thicker in the middle and less at the edges so you've got less light through the middle and more okay. light through the edges okay you didn't know that not a lot of people do no. at, uh, well I'm, um, go I'm going to so I'm going to just stop you there and get you to retell if you don't mind a funny story well it was I thought it was a great story about a very well-known photographer who you had the pleasure of visiting recently recently <laughs> and he'd been unbeknown to him he'd been using his larger in let we say a suboptimal way for many yeah, many years that's uh, exactly right yeah so we won't name him right it but it's uh it's, it's he, but he's very well but he's known. a very famous he very famous a, photographer famous, yeah um, who's uh and he had his did he have his condensers in the wrong place or something he had the wrong condensers uh in his condenser head but for the wrong size of negative that's uh there so he's yes because you can move them now i so i had a so he had, I to had do a, a lot kaiser enlarger you could move your enlarger your condensers up and down yeah depending on whether you're shooting through medium format or 35 mil is that yeah, right yeah you've got uh normally set from four by five to 35 mil right. you, you've got four condensers which is mm. a two, two to cover four by five and then you you shot you, you change one to cover uh, medium format and then you, you change two to cover 35 and mil. he had his on the he had it he, he, he was <laughs> trying to print medium format he's trying to print, print um uh, 35 mil with his medium format uh, uh condensers and, his, right. and the lens and the don't did not really match so he was doing rather, rather a lot of dodging so now he doesn't have to do quite as much dodging as he yeah as, as but he what did about before. if when he comes uh, to remake some of his lovely prints again yeah. using his notes if he keeps notes, I, 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 don't I, know. I i i think he's just a pure natural photographer come printer i think uh, so yeah yeah i suspect uh, knowing um, who it is he won't have too much trouble no he won't have too much trouble so, he's been doing it for a couple of years so it's so uh, just take uh, you back to adapt. that that enlarger that my friend simon has got his yeah. five by seven that has um, yeah, can, can he can head. move it. Yeah. Is it obvious where he has to put his? If if, if he lifts up the lid of his head, he'll find a little chart in the, oh, okay. underneath which tells you what condensers to use for what neck sizes and what lens, right. foc uh, focal length of lens. Yeah, it's all there. So if he yeah. uses that head and and gets a, a, a little bit of perspex, perhaps in the filter drawer, and the then uses drawer, yeah. Ilford under the lens yeah. filters, okay. that's probably unless he wants if he wants, if he wants proper black and white, and if he's doing any print and stuff like that, you know, then you 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 don't you shouldn't have the, any diffuser in there. Because I use my um, Mark III head. We'll talk about the different designs yeah. in, in a moment. I use that purely for black and white. Yeah, sure. With combinations of yellow and magenta yeah. filters in, and the perceived wisdom out there is that you probably don't get quite the maximum density of black using a color head setup. Yeah. Uh, you don't get quite grade five maybe i don't know is that um, what's your experience with, with that 
Well, if you come to a, a company named Odyssey Devere and you really want to do it so properly, they can take out the, the, the cyan filters in your collar head and put in magenta, which doubles it uh, the, the uh, uh, top end, uh, the, the grade of the... Uh, uh, <laughs> um, uh, which we have done once or twice for people. Okay. Yeah. That's, uh, but it's very fine. Yeah. Um, I, I can't say as I've, I, I've I've settled on a system now where I'm uh, de developing my negatives such that generally I'm printing on grade two and a half. Yeah, two and a half. You're halfway. Yeah. And that's a normal. that's normal. It's only really you've got to, if you want effects or you you've got negatives that need adjusting. <laughs> do you need to adjust at that? Mm. Two and a half is the normal. You know, it's a grade, and that's what papers are made for as well. You might as well grow paper. You know, really. <laughs> So, yeah, uh, well, we, we'll, um, there's yeah, a new multi-grade, of course, that's been released now. We'll, we'll perhaps you find out, won't you? Find out that's later. A, yeah. So where did we get to then? So we were introducing... Uh, we were introducing colour heads, colour heads. And, um, uh, and then dichroic filters were coming yes. in. Um, what, are we talking 70s now? Do you we're think? talking 70s, yeah. Mm. We're talking the end of the 70s. Uh, um, and then uh, the, the 80s, it really, the beginning of the 80s, really got uh, going. And, and De Vere um, then wanted to expand... Uh, and there were lots of Maggie Thatcher was, uh, well, it was at that time was giving out lots of grants to get manufacturing into um, under um, in, uh, where they needed more employment. Yeah, at, uh, hmm. uh, so uh, we um, moved or started a factory in Bartsville in North Devon. But, uh, one thing that my um, uh, my old governor at, uh, um, was. Uh, had his honeymoon down then. Uh, Is that Mr. Sparks still? Sparks, yeah. Mm -hmm. Sparks had his honeymoon down there, liked the area, and one of the areas that they were offering a lot of grants for and, and uh, rates free and, and uh, uh, grants for how many people you employed and things like this. Um, uh, there, so um, we started a factory down there, but still kept the factory in, uh, um, uh, in South London. Uh, and he moved down there um, with his son, and, and I stayed. I was then a director of a company, um, and uh, I, I then stayed in the in the London uh, area looking after that. What was your role then? So you were. Um, you? I, I was sales director. Mm -hmm. I was a sales director um, at uh, at that time. So what was a working week um, for you like in those days? What pretty busy. Yeah. yeah. Were you, were you out uh, most days? I was uh, no, I was in, um, but then I was uh, travelling the world um, and travelling once a month back and forth to uh, um, Barnstable. That's uh, down there. Maybe sometimes more. That's. Uh, because the a the, the, the managing director uh, was there, he would they would come up occasionally, um, but less and less in the uh, uh, in the later years, um, and left me doing it up in uh, uh, up in London, uh, and uh, and so we were setting up agencies all around the world. Uh, Is that how you worked? You had agents in different. Yeah, we countries. had agents in different countries. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, America started to get big, so we started our own company in America. And that's why I said we had, we had a house on the east coast, a house on the west coast, so that when I travelled backwards and forwards, there was someone to live. Somewhere comfortable you know, to and, stay, uh, yeah, quite yeah, right. And our managers stayed in the houses, and we had a separate flats in the wow. um, uh, in the basement. And I, I did once a month. But San Francisco, was it? That's, on the water, uh, um, no, it's Los Angeles. We had a, a Hamalza Beach. We had a seven miles south of Los Angeles Airport, and uh, uh, Columbia, Maryland, um, which was near Baltimore. Uh, and I used to commute to Baltimore once a month. Week out there and back again. I thought it was great. I loved it. You yeah, know, that's, I can uh, imagine. I want to do it now. <laughs> but uh, um, and then twice a year, I, I travel the world, one the north, one the south route, um, going around, setting up agencies, um, 
fishing people. In, um, for a lot of our listeners are, are from the USA, probably over 50%, and when they're using uh, uh, large format enlargers, there are some names that crop up more frequently. Devere, not so much. Not so much. We were known as the big, at, uh, uh, we, were the, we were the giant enlargers because we were well known in the States for horizontal enlargers. Okay. Um, there was Amiga, well, Bessler, sort of and all these sort of people on the 4 um, by Yeah, Amiga, so I think. Amiga prices, and Bessler. You know. they, are they both American mates? They're both American. Yeah, yeah. they're the ones so that I see mentioned you, you in the You would forums. know those, and yeah. that's one. That they made thousands and tens of thousands so of that's uh, why they're machine. still out there yeah. on the second hand we made um we were specializing in horizontal enlargers particularly at that time a condenser horizontal enlarger um that's the sort of thing i've seen ansel adams in a video and he's projecting onto a wall, onto the wall and he's yeah, kind yeah. of dancing in front that's of it, it with his hands, his like hands and doing it all that's yeah. uh, um well the one that's doing it still do it at the moment is uh, in in france and whatever it is remember the name it's uh, senior moments now um uh, I'm probably familiar. I think of him that uh, yeah. uh, uh, that uh, bought one about ten years ago from me, a, a horizontal, um, and doing all that sort of stuff and chucking things at it, and you know, it's uh, the picture. Like there's an American yeah. who photographs in the Everglades called Clyde Butcher. He's getting yes, yeah, I know that name, yeah. and he's making. I think he's making wall projected prints because I saw a video recently, and he's and he's got the prints in order to develop them. You, make these big trays and you just have two or three people yeah. with a red light on you just sort of moving it back moving through the trays you know, and yeah, then you yeah, roll exactly. it up and take it to the yeah. next stage exactly walk. right yeah, yeah. That's, uh, um, but yeah we, we became well known for the uh, horizontal <laughs> and sold a lot um, uh, of uh, horizontal enlargers there because just normal commercial work no, normal mm. uh, exhibition decoration you know because like there'd be no other way really would yeah, there making, uh, make big and you think you probably have heard in the past of CPL colour processing labs which is our biggest one in the UK, but they had six of them down in Edinburgh, you know, and yeah, they died. Uh, yeah, um, and that's what we got known for in the States, and uh, did a lot of uh, lot of work out there, a lot of selling, um, and we used to do all the all the exhibitions around. Uh, well, Las Vegas, the one that's so I've been to Las Vegas twenty five times, I think, doing a show, you know, at uh, um, there, and that's where we basically um, sold um, uh, our equipment at uh, at big exhibitions. Big exhibitions yeah, yeah, that's uh, um, and. Uh, uh. Okay, so we'll resume the recording. I don't quite know where we got to because I'm using uh, Neil Piper's recording device and I don't quite frankly know how to use it properly. So I'm guessing Simon might have to do a little bit of editing here, uh, but I, I think we're probably getting up to the 1980s and maybe where the squeeze started and maybe the business got into a bit of a decline and uh, we saw some name changes and new investors. So maybe, John, uh, you want to... Yeah, pick I'll up carry somewhere on. around there. Uh, um, yeah, late 80s, the digital started to. I have a little background as well. In the beginning of the 80s, uh, my old sales manager, at, uh, I was at, we were at an exhibition, and uh, he said uh, there was a bit of an increase in video. And he said to me, he says, Watch that, he said, it's going to take us over in the end. And I told him, Don't be so bloody stupid. I said, Look, photography is not going to go away. However, by the end of the 80s, um, digital had made a, was starting to make a very large uh, um, impact. And if we hadn't progressed into the digital age, things were getting very tight. At, uh, um, and the problem for Devere was that we were, as I've mentioned before, a cradle grave operation. We did it all ourselves, um, which was becoming a, a, a big a rock round our neck. Um, we needed to slim down. And we needed to what we actually call subcontract 
where we could turn a switch and uh, turn the manufacturing on and off. But when you're doing it all yourself, it is very difficult to do that. And the position I was in, and I've been there for a long time, and all the people that uh, we work with have been there a long time, they are all my mates. That's, uh, and it became very difficult to slim down and to uh, get rid or ask my mates to, uh, uh, to leave. So the company, and I will admit this, is quite slow um, in slimming down to meet the digital age. Uh, well, you've got a, there's a human element to it, isn't there? Because there is, people have yeah. got their livelihoods and their families, and you knew a lot of them. Knew a lot of them, that, uh, and it was it was very difficult. Uh, however, we were. Uh, I was asked whether I could get uh, the banks um, who were starting to squeeze to uh, um, bring somebody in to give us a hand, which I agreed to um, because. To be perfectly frank, I was uh, um, an engineer um, going into a salesman, going into um, uh, senior management. Um, I, the financial bit had sort of passed me by because as we progressed, the finances sort of looked after themselves and were okay. But when, mm, these, but when things start to when, turn, when, when things start to turn, I was not trained in that area. Mm. That's, uh, um, uh, and uh, although what I had done is I had purchased. Um, uh, all our property, as we've moved along and moved onwards, rather than renting, I, I bought everything. Uh, so the, 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 we we were fairly uh, okay in the in the property uh, and the capital, um, but the cash was uh, uh, was running out. So this guy, we agreed to uh, to bring him in, um, and going onwards, uh, a year later, um, I was uh, asked to uh, um, not come in. Uh, by saying not coming that uh, they thought they could do a better job than, uh, than I could um, mm. without me and uh, gave me the opportunity uh, to not to arrive uh, at work in the morning but uh, be on full pay and full everything whatsoever but just sign an agreement um, uh, that I would not compete. Um, so it took me a few seconds to think about that but uh, um, I agreed although it was just quite traumatic at the time. Uh, uh, and I was then uh, being paid uh, uh, what I'd been paid, which was at that time was reasonable, at, uh, and with all the benefits, the cars, the things, and that, mm -hmm. uh, but just don't come into work. My son was still employed. At, uh, um, my wife was at there, but she uh, she left as well. At, uh, but my son was still employed in the hmm. in the company. Okay. At, uh, um, uh, uh, and so I retired, I think, for four weeks um, <laughs> and got fed up with that. <laughs> Uh, and uh, thought, well, what can I do? So I went to the the, uh, um, uh, the people that were there at the time and said, what does uh, um, signing that agreement not to compete mean? Uh, I said, could I, can I sell second-hand of here? Uh, um, and they said, you can do what you like within the photographic industry, just do not make new Devere enlargers. I said, that's it, just can't make new Devere enlargers, anything else I can do? Yes, you can. So I said, thank you very much. So Odyssey was formed. Odyssey being a name for boat I had. Uh, so, ah, so that was your creation that then. Was that's my creation. The Odyssey. Yeah. No, right. Odyssey was my, I, I do creation. remember that. I do yeah. remember suddenly Odyssey. Yeah. Coming coming, in. coming, coming into, the, into uh, the because we named it that way because Odysseus went on a journey, um, not quite knowing where he's going, not quite landing, uh, knowing where he's going to land up. And that, that was uh, that was you. Um, and that was us at the <laughs> time exactly. That's. Uh, and we had a boat named it, so we called the company Odyssey. Yeah. And then, obviously, cut. Long story short, going on, uh, we 
uh, we did okay um, selling um, and doing up the beer and so and what about it. the people who were still making yeah so, the so, so making that uh, they carried on um, for uh, another year at uh, uh, making it they then decided uh, I got a phone call from my uh, son saying daddy said there's somebody sitting in your old office he said in the chair he said that I don't recognize uh, I'm trying to find out who it is uh, he came back to me and said it's called he's called a receiver um, mm. and the banks have called in um, the receiver my son still worked there yeah uh, and uh, so they broke the company up. Um, uh, the property, of course, uh, they decided to um, uh, uh, close it down and sell it off. Um, yep. They got their money for all the um, the taxes and the VATs and the things like that that uh, uh, out of the out of the property. Um, I became the second biggest buyer at the auction at, uh, of um, of equipment, and a German bought the actual um, remainder of the company. Um, because we manufactured a, a particular part of an enlarger for this German company he wanted to carry on. He carried on uh, um, uh, doing part of the manufacture, uh, kept the factory open in Devon. Um, we became, Odyssey became, uh, this guy's uh, major customer uh, in the end. Um, he couldn't really keep it going, uh, so uh, I then purchased the remainder of the Veer, um, all of the Veer. And then you so could became, call it, and then instead of just Odyssey Sales, it was uh, Odyssey, Odyssey De Veer. So then it came, became Odyssey De Veer. Mm. Odyssey is our family partnership company, which is my wife, myself, um, my two sons, yeah. which have a photo lab around the corner here. Yeah. Um, uh, and uh, James, who worked for the Veer for uh, a long time, he, um, I'll show you a picture of it, that's a, uh, I'll break off at Les. Yeah. What's a photographer in, in Paris with it's the okay, don't horizontal? Worry. I'm not going to stop it. Simon Sorry. can edit it. Uh, yeah. Um, what's his name? Hello. The one with the. You remember the one with the, the horizontal? Oh, Kiefer. Kiefer. Yeah. Kiefer. Some Ansel. Ansel Kiefer. That's oh, okay. it. That's no, Kiefer Ansel. Kiefer Ansel. Yeah. That's. Uh, well, just in Google. Look him up. Yes. German. Yeah. Well, they all. Yeah. He's very strange. That and so that was Odyssey. In the interim, I had um, I met a Chinese uh, guy in an exhibition in uh, New Orleans who was looking at uh, the very largest um, and. Uh, uh, after a while, I realised he didn't. He knew a lot more about enlargers than a, a normal punter, um, and he was asking questions with his hands. However, long story short, because uh, he didn't speak English, he didn't speak English. I didn't speak Chinese, Chinese but yeah. we spoke the same language with our hands, and, and you know, at, uh, uh, and I said, "You, you make enlargers," and uh, he was trying. He was looking to copy a 504. Um, we got down to the basics of it all with him in a in a, in a meeting. Um, and I said, don't copy it, I'll send you one, you make it. But, uh, so uh, I, co I uh, sent him a 504 enlarger. Uh, three months later, I got this machine back and I was absolutely astounded. Um, it was it was great, you know. It was getting close to the best one that we made. Wow. Um, and he wasn't using it, casting, he was... No, he was using casting, he did exactly the same. He had a he? small foundry, right. he had a small factory, and he did exactly the same. He was, he was making Chinese enlargers. Um, so I flew, I flew out there um, uh, and uh, um, we made an agreement. We signed it, we made a bit of paper, um, did it all. And was it written in Chinese or English? It's written in both. <laughs> uh, it was. Uh, and uh, 
that he he wanted the name De Vere in China, um, uh, and he wanted to make the equipment. So I said, okay, you make the equipment. Um, you make it for me. That's uh, um, and whatever you sell in China, you give me a percentage on. Mm. You know? That's uh, for the name and for, uh, for doing it. But, but you might, I'll send you the drawings. No, 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 don't send drawings, don't send drawings. It said, uh, me metric, it said, you imperial, drawing no good. You know? Yeah, I'll just copy it. Yeah, you send the machine, I copy. Mm. You know? And that's how it did it. And he, we manufactured for 10, I don't know, 12 years together. Um, he did a great job, uh, in <coughs> improved the product. Um, and as you've seen, what's uh, what's downstairs? Mm. It's well, a good-looking bit of kit. Well, Dan, so, when I was last here, you had a, uh, I think it was going to Switzerland. You had a Mark IV four, four, that's a desk-mounted five hundred four. Correct, lovely, yep. and that was a Chinese one, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. And then downstairs, now you've just assembled a five one zero eight. Correct. Eight by ten floor standing enlarger. Yep. Correct. Which yep. is just beautiful. Yeah. That's uh, And I, as a manufacturer of it, I'm I'm, I'm very impressed with it. That's mm. uh, um, and I'm writing to my friend or Jinan who who made it. That's uh, well, he's he's called Devere China. He's called Changsu Devere Manufacturing Company. Is he still uh, going then? He's still going. Well, he is. You see that? That's. Oh uh, that, yeah, that, but that are you? Uh, is your uh, relationship no, with him still? Uh, it's still relationship still good, but he doesn't manufacture on a, a daily basis for us at all now. So um, if somebody wanted a brand new. I know you can a brand new. 504 from yeah. you is that something they could still have a, a kit they could not in the moment because i'd have to go in, would you go to him him yes i'd mm. go to him to uh, to actually get it done at the moment now there's not enough business no. uh, so not enough demand no. to actually start manufacturing there's enough um machinery on the market and in my store um to refurbish yes to actually carry on supplying um as new equipment. So if people, you know. if people wanted a, a refurbished 504, you know, with either my head on the Mark III or the Mark IV, Mark, they Mark III, Mark IV, with a, an Orford head, mm. a condenser head, yeah, they can they can have it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we we still refurbish it. Um, uh, we bring it, we replace anything that needs replacing on the machine. We even respray if necessary. They can look new. Mm. You know, it's uh, um, and. Uh, uh, they'll go on for another, you know, um, well, you've done years. A, you've done That's a, a, you've done what I can see a, is a fine job, job on mine, and uh, thank you uh, very much for that. That's all right, no problem. That's, uh, I've only been doing it for a couple of years. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was when yeah. I thought about, well, should I? Okay, it's a bit traumatic getting in the back of the car, but then yeah. once you showed me how to take the head Get off, the head off and things, yeah, then you can show uh, me how to do that again in a minute when, when I, I leave. Do. Yeah. So, what's your What's your working week or your a typical? Well, I don't suppose there is a typical working week for you, but it's not really. What typical. do you What do you That's do right. these days? You're You're spending some time what dealing I, with idiots what, what like I me, the, and then you're days. with schools uh, and stuff, I, aren't you? Schools I, and I, colleges. Yeah, I work at because uh, I want to work and I like working and uh, like getting up in the morning and uh, I still like seeing enlargers go out the door. Mm. Say, as an old friend saying, I say goodbye to myself. Well, I don't do that, then I'll give up, you know. Um, but uh, the, as we are. As we are Devere, we're our own boss. We can do what uh, um, uh, what we want. The working week depends upon the work that comes in, um, mm. uh, which is, I now and again uh, uh, refurbish and larger, uh, and a lot of service work, particularly in education, universities, art colleges around the country. So uh, I think you're seeing a bit of an upsurge in that interest. We are in wet processing, at, uh, in particularly in the education side. We are seeing we've seen um, uh, an upsurge. I talking to. Uh, University, I have a this morning, they're going into uh, um, uh, degree 
uh, courses in photography, they want to get their darkroom that's uh, uh, together yes, again. I was, I was here when yeah. they rang you. So. Yeah, that's it. And ne we're so. next door to the uh, Brighton University. Is you've just driven your 25504s in a darkroom underneath the road that you've just driven yeah. down as well. Yeah, which we we do two an annual service uh, twice a year here, and they've got another department just down the road with a black and white. In and it. periodically, <coughs> once or twice a year, you do what I could call milk runs, where you go around and do service. We start in Scotland at uh, um, and we do the university like from Dundee at, uh, to Edinburgh to Glasgow. Uh, each of the universities, uh, one or two. Um, uh, 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 private uh, um, uh, dark rooms and things that uh, rent okay. out uh, and we keep things running and then we work our way down the country like Sheffield Hallam that's a university that uh, we do yep. Manchester I won't go through them Leeds you know but uh, and work our way down the country okay so that's I've been right. asked by Steve Segersby who <laughs> owns one of your 5108 yep. enlarges floor standing if I remember correct uh, I think he would express interest in having it. Um, I'll just say the word service. But service, yeah, sure, yeah. You know what you did with mine, sure, clean, yeah, make sure enough, get, once over, get rid yeah. of the mice that were living in mine and yeah. things. <laughs> the spiders uh, that were. <laughs> so he lives. Uh, he lives somewhere near Leeds. So if he gets in touch with you, you could perhaps. Fit I'll him put him in. on the list, and mm. when we're doing a um, a run around the country. Um, uh, we can if we, we can make an arrangement to come and call on him yeah. at a much much better price. <coughs> excuse me, than actually uh, uh, driving all the way up to uh, Leeds and driving all the way back again. And mm. uh, um, but sometimes we do well at Scotland if we've got an uh, um, emergency thing like that, go on a plane, you know, and and, uh, and go up there, um, which happens now and again, but most, not often. Most of the enlargers, if you're on these, are you visiting the same schools and colleges each year? Cause yeah, most of them, but they're they, they, an extra one. I mean, they're know. getting. Okay, they're getting kids who I say kids, young people well, using I'm these things. Kids, yeah, so they could get yeah. they could get a bit of abuse, I suppose. Do they so, do they mostly need just a bit of realignment? They need a bit of realignment, but uh, every now and again something might break. You know, that's mm -hmm. uh, um, uh, but they, 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 the greasing and the, the, the old tensators and things, the, the counterbalances, um, uh, start to, to wear a bit and uh, need replacing. You know, so it's. Uh, um, but it is what we call it a preventive maintenance annual um, uh, uh, service visit. You know, it's, uh, so if people need things, so they don't break what, down. What kind of spare parts are you regularly carrying for either Devere enlargers or, or perhaps some things that are common in other people's enlargers? Switches, lamp holders. At uh, um, uh, the those little the ceramic runners, lamp holders on yeah, stairs, the, the the yeah. things like that. Mm -hmm. You know, at uh, so that's why they're there to get some more. You know, yep. at. Uh, um, and the bits come up here, bowls for the and inside. And I, I bought an enlarger lens from you. Are you still dealing in enlarger still lens? Still uh, there's, there's some that are packed up there that have just arrived okay. with, a, with a machine. Are they ro Rodenstock and ones? Up there, yeah, mate, so we're still the, the, the accredited Rodenstock um, enlarger importer do, after 40-odd years. Do you yeah. keep some... I can't remember the one I you sold me was, was new or refurbished. But it'd be a Rodagon or Aper Rodagon. Yeah, if it was enlarging. It was a 150 yeah. millimetre. Yeah, 150. Anyway. It'd be a Rodagon or an Aper Rodagon. Mm, yeah, just a Rodagon. Which think. they don't make them anymore. No. That's uh, they're not made. But I have, I've just delivered, oh, I think about a dozen to um, uh, Kingston University, uh, which have had 22 504s off us uh, this year. Uh, into a brand new darkroom. Whoa! Uh, yeah. So that's a sign that there things are happening, isn't it? And in that darkroom, also, they've just put. Hang on. So to say that again, twenty. Tw they, they, they've, they've already got. They already had uh, about twenty of them, 
and they, they, they well they exchanged uh, to partly exchanged um, with some two or three small enlargers mm. uh, 22 5 volts they wanted everything to be uh, 4 by 5 um, they had another 5 by 7 that's uh, from us they've also bought a 1 meter 40 RA4 uh, 52 inch wide RA4 uh, processor, processor. Um, a uh, um, not, not light jet but uh, um, anyway a, a, um, a digital uh, LED printer um, uh, 50 inch wide and a dip and dunk C41 machine not just a little uh, um, roller transport one uh, dip and dunk at, uh, um, all this year installed into so, Kingston University so in your experience then, in, in recent times over the last few years you've seen a, a resurgence in the interest yes, of wet press I, I saw a complete down you know mm. when a particular university we don't want this smelly chemicals anymore mm. we don't this at uh, um, uh, the digital's here um, now the, the kids they're fed up with computers that's uh, they, they they go into a dark room and they and they see a negative being developed they can't wait to get it out of the uh, mm, that's uh, wonderful, uh, isn't to, it? to have a look at it that's uh, and then get it to make a picture um, and use their hands and be moving around not just looking at a screen um, yeah. and they get quite excited again that's uh, yeah. and fortunately the education authorities and the, the uh, teachers and writers got excited again themselves and because they feel they're, they're you know they're at uh, progressing um, and and a bit in the black and white art I've seen the uh, um, insurgent I what am I going to get in made again that's uh, um, in, instead of refurbish them because I've run out of refurbished uh, um, enlargers that's why I had some more that's, uh, made in the tenant which is mainly going but in the degree course uh, in education they've got an 8x10 at uh, um, a section where I've, I've built 8x10 cameras and now they need 8x10 enlargers at, wow. uh, um, uh, to, uh, to like next door have they bought because um, very yeah. close to here because we're down in Brighton yeah. you've got Intrepid Camera and they're in Brighton they're in Hove I think yeah, they? Up, up, up do you have here. any relationship yes, with them have you spoken I, to I those have, guys I have spoken to them mm. and, and wished them well and get on with it yeah that's, uh, oh, they're doing a great job they are and they've just uh, come out with their own little have you seen it the little uh, what they call an enlarger it's a light source that fits on a tripod and fits on the back of their camera have you had one of those to play with not yet no I went and talked to them when they were about it, you mm. know, that's, uh, and I want to produce a time. I said, "Well, produce some for me, you know." Mm. That's, uh, but no, they, they do it their own. They do their own thing, you know. That's uh, but they're doing a great job in uh, in once again. You think manufacturing film at uh, uh, and and paper for photographic products. I know, which is great. It's awesome, you know? isn't it? Yeah, that's a uh, it's continuity that's, uh, of it. And did I see on the website? There's such a thing as a digital enlarger. Well, just enlarger. Making up. Tell, no, tell no, no, when I've mentioned this to a few people, they said, uh, "What's a what's a digital enlarger? What what's a what's a digital enlarger? What's a dig uh, digital enlarger?" Um, Doesn't sound very interesting to me. I have it, to say, it, it's an invention of my, my myself and my son. At, uh, um, of uh, uh, it is you take a digital file and produce um, a paper print, a wet print. That's. Uh, um, and you'd use an enlarger, um, which okay, we 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 take a, a digital file. Uh, we um, uh, so you don't put a negative. You're not putting any negative. Not putting any negative whatsoever. We we take a digital US. file, and uh, we uh, do a RGB of that digital file layer. That's uh, um, uh, which we do that electronically, uh, and then we put that into a, a very um, very special system. Uh, a uh, an LCD um, uh, 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 a panel 
uh, which then produces uh, a black and white image, that's, uh, which we then sign, uh, we then uh, sign, sign magenta yellow through uh, the various layers of that image to build up the colour um, uh, picture or uh, a black and white uh, uh, print. And uh, that's, uh, un that's all done um, electronically, but but, so you're putting, it's normal black and white, you're putting normal black and white paper still, are you? Or yeah. And they're using the, everything else. And you're is, printing is, from a digital it, file. It's exactly the same with printing from a digital file. Yeah. Uh, I can't see why you want to use uh, one of those. <laughs> there it is. There we go. Let, 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 me, let me just show you. That's, uh, this is all good radio. John's just showing okay. us some pictures. Here mm. we are. Now, there, there's your file uh, before enlarger. Yeah. Okay. In there okay. is an electronic panel. That's right. uh, there fed by a control box with all the um, magic electronics in there by a normal PC at, uh, um, at, and this is enlarger with a um, uh, well it's a, it, it's a what we call an old um, a printer uh, head uh, in it which has got sign magenta yellow which drinks through and there are nine processes that go on to make one print normal that uh, print there that's uh, there's well I, I think I just it. give me give me an enlarger you can put a negative in. I can't yeah, I can't think of anything uh, worse, quite well, frankly, John. What we call it is uh, <laughs> this is a bridge at uh, um, a bridge enlarger. It's a bridge enlarger, analog, bridge analog and digital. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, that's uh, uh, that, that's what it is. Um, very good for education. That's uh, and in the early days when we started it some fifteen years or so ago, um, it saved a lot of uh, photographic. Um, uh, Arts departments. Uh, departments. Um, that's my son's. That's because uh, um, this one used to go around installable. That's, okay. Uh, um, uh, because we, in the end, uh, we decided that we wouldn't. We weren't just giving them out um, because the fingers didn't work properly for people at uh, with them. But if we went and installed them and did a live demonstration at uh, and a teaching at, uh, then we didn't hear any more about them. Mm. But if we sent them out and people put them together themselves and tried to do it themselves, working from the instructions, it, it, it didn't work. Uh, they had to get the um, uh, the, the whole uh, uh, ethic of it, you know. Um, mm. But that, uh, okay. um, that's what we did and that's what we still, we still, you still send, get send one or two out. Get requests yeah. for those? Yeah, mm. they, still, they still do one or two. Um, okay. But they are now refurbished ones. People like um, London College of Fashion um, bought eight of them in one one hit. Right. You know, okay. um, they've now gone through that, that, that thing and they're now back to their normal darkroom, which I went and serviced about three weeks ago. They've got um, over their digital craze. Over they? their digital craze. <laughs> but, uh, um, and I, another thing which is very very interesting, I was down at Southampton Solent University just recently, and their main um, lecture there are this group of let's call them kids you know uh, around with um, uh, cameras in their hand and I said what, what are you doing here um, and they said these are from the fashion department of the college not doing photography but the fashion department of the college and the fashion department now put into their um, uh, 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 their course that uh, actually to work a film um, camera uh, and make a print Mm. Uh, now in the course, it's just part of their course at, okay. uh, in, the fashion, in the fashion course. He said, no, he said, they're not in the photographic uh, um, uh, uh, course for three years or whatever. That's the fashion bit. And they're down here for um, uh, a few days, uh, a week, uh, to actually know, see a film camera, know to load a film camera and actually make a print. That's, um, so that's another part of the photographic 
course in a university which is what which yeah. is moving on well I mean it's all very well being able to make a print but as we get the resurgence in analog photography which we're clearly seeing the availability you know. of cameras you know the film cameras are going up on on eBay yeah there's nobody making a new film camera now no. you know no. that's and uh, that's going to be the the issue mm. unless someone comes along in 20 you know in 20 30 years time you know we'll well, all if be you're going to eBay today you're you're at uh, at 200 pound at uh, what's it larger uh, there is up to seven eight uh, about 1400 pound or so on this morning you know that's uh, um i pay more yeah, for well me, but they, they get us as well if they buy one but it's uh, <laughs> uh yeah the, uh, um yeah so that the sort of um okay, uh, the, the the brief uh, onward going off uh, and the um, and the start of, of Odyssey, we call ourselves Odyssey to VSA, Odyssey being the family company, our partnership, we're a partnership, that's yeah. a, and the partnership, our family, owned a beer. That's, uh, well John, we'll, we'll probably call it a day here, hopefully we've got something sure. we can put out, um, the podcast will be put out this coming Friday. Oh, there you go, thanks so, a lot. <laughs> thank you, thank you very much. It's alright, well done, thanks a lot. That's, uh, don't mind going through the old times, that's, uh, <laughs> I know. test the memory a bit, doesn't it?